There is no better place. It's time to talk. The only way to get anything done in Cork is to go down to the airport. Like, you know? Fair play. That's a Cork threat at this stage, I think. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters. Certainly do get involved in the conversation. The Neil Prenderville Show with Mercedes-Benz Cork. Uh, you know how we hear from time to time the very sad, agonising stories of uh, small little children who drown in only a few inches of water. Uh, that is a story that uh, has a court report because of the inquest yesterday into a small little boy, I'm reading from the mirror this morning, who suffered fatal injuries after being found face down in just three inches of water in a paddling pool. Little Dahi O'Grady, 22 months old, uh, from uh, County Roscommon, was playing out in the garden, apparently. His mam uh, said that he'd been playing uh, apparently he'd be playing with, uh, with, the, with his toy tractor and, and stuff like that in the back garden. She just went into the kitchen to put the kettle on to make a cup of tea. I think dad was just answering a phone call uh, and then he went out to the garden and then ma'am heard scr- him screaming about their son being in the pool. The, apparently the, 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 the shock and the devastation and the torment and the crying from the family members and others who came to their aid uh, was something that the inquest was told yesterday Um, and it was about three inches of water by all accounts they did their best uh, to bring the lad back uh, but he subsequently died later in hospital it's awfully sad it's a story making the mirror this morning face down you see and when you're that small do you know what I mean when you're that small and you're lying face down over the lip of a paddling pool so the poor little 22 month old couldn't couldn't turn around it's it's awfully awfully sad story making the mirror today life is very precious as the Echoes headline says this morning. This has to do with the funeral mass of the late Kieran Quilligan, uh, 47-year-old. His remains were discovered, as we all know, down off the main Middleton to Whitegate Road um, uh, in the past week, ten day, the past 10 days. But um, that's a front page of making the echo today because the parents had uh, an opportunity to mourn him with dignity and bury him yesterday. And of course, from uh, one murder story to what now has been deemed a murder, and that is... Uh, the death of uh, Michael Foley. Uh, brutal injuries, according to investigators. But Anne Mooney in the mirror in the sun this morning says uh, that the dad of four was viciously beaten and stabbed in the chest and that he knew his killer and he willingly let them, whomever that could be, into his home. Um, they now are saying that uh, Michael Foley, his brother actually was murdered in 2018. He, he was last seen on Saturday around McCroom Town. Gardy believed that uh, he was killed at some stage over the bank holiday weekend. And the Independent pick up on that this morning because Ralph Regal says that Gardy have identified a number of persons of interest. That's a story from the Indo today. At least one of those individuals of interest was well known to Mr. Foley, had previously socialised with him at the McCroom property where his body was discovered and the individual has a history of violent behaviour and alcohol dependency. So that's a story making the Indo today. Persons of interest identified. So that investigation is moving along at a pace. There was uh, an awful crime committed um, back in 2012 from Intralee in County Kerry which led to a house being uh, set on fire uh, in which um, uh, a dad and a five-year-old child lost their lives. And the story is on the front page of the Mirror today because the individual who appeared in court charged with the double murder of the father and daughter was extradited from the UK 
um, and uh, faces that charge in court. So that's covered very much in the papers today. You know, you hear of, you know, you hear of insurance scams all of the time. People who set up uh, fake crashes and what have you. It's a really interesting one. This fellow's lucky he he didn't get jail. He's got to pay five thousand euro to the insurance firm. Um, but it was a staged car crash, but he avoided jail. But I called Alexander Ucha, a 42-year-old living in Galway. The papers this morning say originally from Albania. He was one of seven people involved in a staged two-car collision. It was up in Headford Road in County Galway. He was driving an Audi A4 with his wife, or his then-wife, who was in the passenger seat. And they were rear-ended by a Citroën Saxo. And there were four people in it. Now, both parties at the time claimed that they didn't know each other. And the rest is history. You know exactly how this one played out. The court actually heard uh, that apart from uh, two broken windows, there was no damage to the Audi and there was no transference of paint or anything. And subsequently, actually, they found a claw hammer nearby. So uh, two broken windows and a claw hammer nearby. So it's very interesting that um, you would avoid jail for that because uh, if you wanted, I mean... I'll be second-guessing the, the, the courts, but if we want to get serious about these things, uh, but at least, I suppose, there is some kind of a payment that has to be made in the shape of uh, five grand to insurance firms. A lot of the time they use T-junctions for these rear-enders, or they might use traffic lights, and uh, they love roundabouts, actually. They just love roundabouts. Um, talking about spending money, there's two uh, interesting stories with regards to, well, there's more than two, actually, but uh, let me just run through them. One, of course, has to do with the, the toy show, which uh, cost the Irish taxpayer 2.2 million. It was dead in the water before it started. Serious loss making. There was about 26 people linked to Toy Show, the musical. And RT were refusing to give their names to the Oireachtas Committee. Um, there may well be a reversal of fortune in this, in the sense that RT will release the names of the 26 people according to the mail this morning, but only if the 26 people give their consent. So it be interesting to see how many, to- how many of them tick the consent box. Uh, and also, you won't get an opportunity to consent as to how RTE get paid the license fee at the moment it's left down to people sending them the money themselves incidentally (laughs) I have to hold my hand up I held up until what I held out until the 8th day of February not paying the license fee but I have to be honest with you because I don't be living on the shadow of a lie or a mistruth I actually sent them a cheque yesterday for the license fee I'm just seeing way too many people being brought to court and I just couldn't be arsed about going into court because I know I wouldn't win it so I very very reluctantly paid the 160 euro yesterday but I sent it by cheque and I wrote the cheque very badly Right, and I put it into an envelope and I wrote the address on the envelope on post uh, very badly as well so I'm assuming they'll get it but anyway apparently RT's licence fee will probably be collected uh, by uh, the revenue commissioners so another tax for you um, because we're already paying the um, universal service charge uh, we're talking like a uh, uh, new tax for people maybe similar to uh, the water charges and it will be collected instead uh, by um, uh, taxation direct taxation uh, so that's what something that uh, Michal Martin is very interested in doing. At the same time, um, as we continue to help those that are fleeing war in Ukraine, you might be interested to know that we also spent over 800,000 euro transporting and accommodating the pets of Ukrainian refugees since the outbreak of the war in the country. Now, the exact figure actually is 808,132 euro uh, transporting and accommodating pets from Ukraine. Uh, Some of those costs also involved veterinary bills and what have you. Uh, So um, that's going to change apparently, but not before we spent 808,000 on it. And, And then there's a shocking story of how a Jesuit priest 
who was accused of child sexual abuse, was allowed access to children for 11 years after a complaint was first made. Um, a serial paedophile cleric by the name of Father Paul Andrews uh, handled uh, the complaints uh, about a, a the, Father Paul Andrews handled the complaints about the serial paedophile cleric has now been named as an alleged abuser himself for the first time. That's a headline story uh, making the front page of the mail today and it's pretty shocking, it really is, that there wouldn't be checks and balances in some kind of way of stepping away from a role pending investi- or during investigation. I know more and more people and we heard their wind, like apparently they're saying that uh, 30 odd percent of our energy was met by wind energy uh, last year which is kind of interesting because they said that it also led to utility and energy costs coming down. I didn't see any energy costs coming down with regards to anything like that. Uh, I mean, uh, the only thing that I saw coming down was in the last four, maybe few months where I got into a bit of a war between Borgash and Electric Ireland and people like that. I, I did see a little bit of help from the government where they were giving people money off the bills, but hopefully that will happen, that wind will bring our electricity prices down significantly. But one thing that is happening is more and more people are, str- are switching to electric vehicles. The front page of making the independent this morning says that the switch to electric vehicles needs involves a loan. Be able to take out a loan because electric cars are not cheap. They're cheap in a lot of other countries, and the new ja- and the new Chinese electrics that are coming out are incredible cars by all accounts, just incredible. And uh, I was over in Thailand there recently, and I saw uh, one of the Chinese electric cars, and uh, you had change out of eighteen thousand euro for it, and the fit out inside in the thing was just glorious. I mean, it would be something in the region of forty to forty, forty-five or fifty grand here for the equivalent car, but there you have it nonetheless. But anyway, people are taking out car loans. They're also taking out loans for home improvements and holidays but I was interested in the electric car loans because what happens uh, in seven years time um, isn't that what they say the battery life of an electric car is seven years time so in seven years time won't there be issues with regards to trading in or somebody ultimately buying a seven-year electric car where the battery is just kaputzo? Papers also this morning talk about issues involving Angarda Shikona who won't be taking part in the St. Patrick's Day Parade in New York. It's an examiner story that the guards will not be marching in this year's parade in New York because there was some sort of a disagreement at last year's event and the guards have not been invited back this year. Now, interestingly, that means that Gardi, and I have at least one email from a serving guard that I'll read this morning, who's already got their tickets booked. They've been told that they can't, if they've already booked their tickets to go to New York for the parade uh, or for St. Patrick's, they can't bring their uniform with them. They can't bring the uniform from outside of the country. But many members have already, because you have to pay your own travel if you go in March, did you know? Papers also today talk about half of the Irish population will still be paying their mortgage into their 60s. Um, almost three in ten people believe that they'll be paying the mortgage off well into their retirement years. And what's interesting about that is there are many changes with regards to mortgages. We pay them longer and, of course, be paying more back because uh, everything's just got so expensive. And also, I'm led to believe that an awful lot of people now are opting for 35-year mortgages, which is quite interesting because I suppose myself and maybe some of you guys listening to me can remember when we got our first mortgage, it was a 20-year mortgage and much more achievable, actually, to make the repayments years ago when things really were much, much cheaper. But now it's 35 years, uh, by and large. And the papers also today talk about um, issues involving what you like to watch on television. Fool Me Once is in there, Wednesday is there, Stranger Things, Dharma the Monster, Bridgerton's doing, as well, doing well, and The Queen's Gambit. So all of the different 
Netflix shows that people are binge watching. But could I just mention one actually that I watched uh, last night and I have everybody here blue in the face listening to me about it. Do you remember um, We Are The World, which was the American equivalent to uh, Band-Aids uh, and Bob Geldof's one here, uh, Feed the World. Um, there is a superb documentary just landed on um, on Netflix and I watched it last night. It's called The Greatest Night in Pop. And if you like your music, you will absolutely love this. And if I could recommend something for the weekend, it would be the untold story behind We Are the World. They have all of the footage they absolutely captured everything. It's a bit like a shorter version of Let It Be by the Beatles, where they managed to capture all of the video, captured all of the sound, all of the outtakes, and all of the artists in this studio together. And it starts off brilliantly with Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie deciding to write the song, bringing in people to try and convince all of the superstars to come and perform. And it's just terrific. Uh, great to see. I mean, it's amazing to watch Bob Dylan in action. See him in the studio looking so out of sorts, but yet he stays because he wouldn't really be a huggy-feely, touchy person, I suppose, where it's like they went in at 10 o'clock at night and they were there like at 6 o'clock the following morning still working on it. Only one person walked out and just had enough of it at one stage apparently Waylon Jennings uh, I'd say he regretted that anyway I'll say no more about it because I don't want to spoil it it's called The Greatest Night uh, in Pop and it was on it landed on Netflix and it's so worth a watch text or whatsapp Neil now 0868 104 106 The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM you got it actually I did receive an email and I never give out the details of serving members of Vanguardia Shikana but this uh, individual says as a member of Vanguardia Shikana who has booked and paid for a trip to New York City in March, hoping to take part in the St. Patrick's Day Parade. I'm extremely upset, and my colleagues are as well at the news, that as an organisation we are not allowed to partake in this year's parade. I hope you can highlight this subject on your show, but don't give out my details. My understanding of it is that uh, last year, um, the Irish Gardaí were supposed to march with the NYPD at half past ten in the morning. And then I'm told that um, they were then told, actually, you're not going to be marching with the NYPD. You're going to be marching at two o'clock in the afternoon. And something uh, kicked off, apparently. And that's my understanding of it. But I'll talk with a former, former guard detective a little later on, see if we can shed, shed some light on it. And an interesting text already on the €808,000 spent to bring Ukrainian pets into Ireland. Um, a chap says by the name of Tom, I'm struggling on disability, paying rent because I can't get social housing. I worked and I ran my own company in construction until I recently had to get a back operation that didn't go too well. I then developed mental health problems because of it. There was no follow-ups, no contact from the hospital. Uh, it's a two-week wait, you know, to see a GP in Ireland. I'm at my wit's end now. Why take in over 100,000 people when our own who pay taxes and contribute to this country are totally forgotten about? I voted Sinn Féin for over 20 years. Never again. They're no longer a nationalist party. Uh, I'll vote Ireland first to the Freedom Party. That's who I'll be voting for in the future. So he sees money wasted on what he would claim wasted on €808,000 on Ukrainian pets when he can't get to see a doctor. So a big response uh, over the past couple of days. And I'll be updating on some stories, but uh, I will come back to an amount of texts and emails over the past couple of days uh, this morning. But one thing that I did want to touch on and didn't get time uh, to touch on over the last few days is um, an advertising campaign that has just begun with uh, regards to all of the different Greyhound tracks around Ireland, where they are encouraging families to book communions and confirmation celebrations at your local 
local Greyhound Stadium. Uh, amongst them, of course, would be Corrigan Park Greyhound Stadium uh, here in Cork. Um, and some people are unhappy with that. And amongst them is Katie Corcoran. She joins me by phone. Katie, good morning. Greyhound Awareness Cork. Um, unhappy with this? Why? I mean, the kids are going to be under 18 for sure they are, but they're not going to be allowed to bet. Um, good morning, Neil. Thank you for having me on. Um, so, so let me just explain exactly what happens when the kids go into the Greyhound okay. track. So okay. they, they, they walk into the Greyhound track um, with, with the adults. They sit at a table, um, you know, have some food, some drinks. Um, there is table side tote, which means the, the staff member from the track walks up to the table, stands beside the adults and takes the bet from them. So in front of the child, of the children, in their presence, the adult is gambling. They can, they see the adult, you know, choosing the, you know, the dog that they want to bet on, you know, on the race book. Maybe, maybe they're involved in the decision, who knows? So then, they, so they're actually exposed to gambling and it becomes normalised because it's actually in their presence. Um, and then we have to think about when the race happens. Um, you know, maybe the adult says, oh, I bet on, on dog five. So then the children are, are shouting, you know, come on, dog five, come on, dog five. Now, what happens if dog five breaks its neck and, you know, when it hits the rail at the first bend, you know, is the child saying... Yeah, but does that oh, happen? Know, but, the, yeah, but hang on a second. Does that happen? Yes, OK. For 2022, there was 122 greyhounds killed at the greyhound tracks in Ireland and 287 were injured. Um, now, there is a saying, the first bend is often the last because quite often what happens is the greyhounds, um, they, they leave the traps and then they hit the uh, bend pretty quickly. So they all bunch up and they're travelling like very, very fast. And if they if they collide at all, then they just go, go flying. They can break their neck, they can break um, a leg. So then there's a child saying, oh, you know, we've lost five years. Or they're saying, oh, you know, the greyhound is dead. Um, you know, it's going to end up in the freezer. You know, is the empathy going to be for the dog or is it going to be, you know, because of gambling? And, you know, um, the, that lovely lady that you were speaking to on uh, on Wednesday, her son was being bullied at school. So we want to teach our children empathy and we want them to, you know, respect animals, respect humans. Because you believe the and greyhound yeah. racing is, has a basis in cruelty. It, well, it, I, know, I know that it has a basis in cruelty because basically the, the, the dog has lost its life for a five-year-old bet for the, the, uh, the child's adult. So we're... we're now, there's also the fact that children under 18 are not allowed into bookies, they're not allowed into casinos for a good reason. So this, so they're not allowed to watch their adults gambling. It, it doesn't really matter if they're gambling. But it says, no, but it says in the advert, please note that children under 18 are not permitted to place a bet with our tote betting staff. Do you have a fear that an adult would place a bet for the communion child? I don't know. I, I mean, it's if they're betting in the, in the in the same you know at the same table as the child, it's not that they walk away and they go somewhere else, and the child doesn't know what's going on. They're actually choosing which dog will I bet on in the presence of the child. So the child knows. I mean, children like even a ten-year-old are they're like sponges. They know exactly. They're watching the adults. They're watching what we're doing. They're taking note. They're paying attention. So they're being exposed to gambling, and also they're being exposed to animal cruelty. But horse racing, horse racing Ireland are also promoting something very similar. And they're encouraging families to go to horse racing meetings and saying that they're family friendly and, you know, Punchestown Racecourse, best place for your next family day out. 
children under 14 gain entry free when accompanied by an adult. So why aren't you kicking off with that, with the horses? Well, our name is Greyhound Awareness Cork, so my area of expertise, if you like, is, is greyhounds and the greyhound industry. So I can't really speak to horse racing. I mean, you may, probably would have somebody else um, to speak about that because I I don't go, you know, to grey uh, to um, to to um, to the horse tracks or anything like that. So I'm not familiar with exactly what happens. But would you? But would you have the same concern about possibly, you know, children communion age betting on horses? I don't agree with exposing children to betting. So, I mean, it does that answer. Mm. Um, I, I don't think it's fair to have children watching adults betting because they, um, at, in a pub, they ha- um, children have to leave by five uh, by nine p.m. And I, I believe that there isn't any restriction. And also, quite often at greyhound tracks, there is you know hen hen nights, stag nights, you know, who may have been out since lunchtime. So they're in the presence of, of people, you know, on Stagnite and Hinnite. So I don't think it's an appropriate place. Oh, I see. You're saying that people might have a, a lot of alcohol on board and it would be an evening and they'd be seeing people who might be drunk. They, well, they would. Which they wouldn't um, they be seeing in a pub scenario because they wouldn't be left in. They, they would be, well, they have to leave by 9pm in the pub um, and in a casino, they're not allowed in at all. And in, in the bookies, they're not allowed so in So do you equate this to so allowing a child into a casino then? Of course. It's, what's okay. the difference between having a child sitting at a black t- uh, blackjack table watching no, somebody I, 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 playing poker? Maybe. Maybe that's a little extreme. I don't know. But I mean, we like children see their parents betting on the lotto all of the time. People see their parents buying scratch cards all of the time. Uh, you know, they may go to bingo with their parents. Like, I guess that the difference here is that you regard greyhound racing as cruel. Uh, I think another organisation in uh, in Dublin there recently said that uh, one of the big issues with regards to greyhound racing is that uh, um, if a greyhound can't make it, they're killed. Yes. Uh, is, is that true, though? If the greyhounds are too slow, they're not kept, they're killed one way or another. What, what does that mean? Well, what happens is that I think there's a maximum of 2,000 greyhounds rehomed in Ireland in the last year, and there was 14,000 were born. So, um, as you know, in, in with the greyhound litter, there will only be a couple of fast dogs, but you need to breed a litter of maybe eight or ten. So then the question is, what happens to, to the greyhounds that aren't fast enough? And what does happen um, to them? So, well, sometimes they get rehomed. Um, sometimes they end up um, in Spain. They get they get exported to Spain, which is a country without a, very little animal welfare um, laws. Sometimes they end up in shallow graves. I mean, I think it was last year there was some found in in a bog in Kildare. Mm. Um, they can in, they can end up. Sometimes um, it, it's it's hard to know. And there is a, there is supposed to be a traceability system. Um, in the greyhound industry, okay, okay. but I mean that tracks that tracks dogs from Northern Ireland um, as well. So it's it's not that easy to figure out. Okay, let me let me put some of those points to Councillor Eileen Lynch, Fine Gael Councillor from McCroom, where the Greyhound Awareness Cork. Eileen, good morning. They're saying the, they say the greyhound industry are so desperate for bodies through the gates that they asked for assurances that children would still be allowed exposure to gambling, plus the possible greyhound death and injury. That they're that desperate to make money. Uh, your response to that? Uh, well, to be honest, I have an issue with an awful lot of what Katie just after saying. Um, and I suppose there's some, you know, 
incorrect facts that she has stated, which are not facts at all. So firstly, if you go into Corrigan Park tonight or tomorrow night and you sit down downstairs with your kids or with your partner or whoever, there is no tote table service. There are designated tote areas where you can choose to place a bet. Greyhound Race in Ireland don't aggressively um, promote betting. The option is there if you choose. Yes, if you choose to eat in the restaurant where you're receiving a three, four course meal, there is tote table service. But I would like to say, firstly, that's not available all over the track. Yeah, yeah, but a confirmation or a communion family where the child dines for free could go wherever they wanted, where there would be table betting, though. Oh, they absolutely can. Okay, so so they can. So therefore, you would have a six or a seven or an eight-year-old at a table where you've got staff going around taking bets at that table. Yeah, you would. But to take your earlier point, kids are exposed to gambling, if you want to say that, when they see a parent buying lotto tickets. Kids are allowed into gaming arcades. And to take Katie's point that to take a child to a dog track is the same as to take them to a bookie shop. It's absolutely not. You go into a bookie shop, you're going in to place a bet. You go to the track, you're going for a family night out. It's an activity that is suitable for all ages. And also, just to correct Katie on another point, there is a time limit for kids at the track. It's generally within 15, 20 minutes of the last race. So again, if you go into Korean Park tonight, the last race is 10 to 10. Kids will be out for quarter past 10. But they can't be on licensed premises at quarter past 10, nor even quarter past 9. But surely it's up to the parents whether they're standing at the bar or whether they're in the standard but isn't there, five. Isn't there, isn't isn't what's, what's the law on this? Nine o'clock? Uh, nine o'clock, I believe. But the entire track is not made up of a pub. Like, it's, but this is my other... This is... Sorry, Neil, if I can just continue. This is my big issue with the point that's being made by Katie and that's being made by these ground awareness groups. We don't live in a nanny state. If you choose not to take your children to the track because you feel it's not a good environment, that is your decision. If there are parents out there who feel they like going to the track, they like the atmosphere, they like it somewhere they can take their kids, where they're not exposed to massive levels of drinking, where it's a different environment, taking kids to a pub, to a hotel, that is their choice. And to be honest, from listening to Katie, I don't think she wants kids to be out at all. She obviously doesn't want them in pubs. She doesn't want them in hotels. When, when in the conversation did Katie ever said that she didn't want a child in a pub or a hotel? Because she said she believes that all those areas expose them to alcohol and that that shouldn't happen. Well, I think, you, I think, I think she, I think she would be absolutely right to say that no child of communion age should be in a public house where alcohol is being served at 10 or half past 10 at night. Absolutely not. But yeah. what if they're in there at 5 o'clock? That's perfectly fine if they're in there with their parents having a meal. Well, then therefore, does the same argument not apply to the track if they're out of there for 10, 10, 15? Uh, it's a big... Uh, it, Again, it's, it, 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 it's the, not, the, the, because if you're there and you're under 18, firstly, you can't place a bet just to specify and clarify that. And secondly, if you're there with your parents, under your parents' control, as in they are minding you, they're there as your guardian, well, then this child is not going to be running around the bar, are they? What happens and though if, if, a, what, if a, what happens if a parent is placing a bet on behalf of the child? Like we don't want to be giving children the idea uh, that gambling is is fun and that they win loads of money, and then they go on in later life to develop a gambling problem. There's nothing to suggest that that happens. I mean, as I said, for quite a while now, under 18s can't place bets at tracks, 
and the other thing is, I mean, I see it. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that that can happen. I'll be talking with the gambling addict next week who's just written a book on it. The first bet that he ever placed, actually, was a bet that he placed in the bookies for his father. Uh, And when he was in there, instead of placing the full bet for his dad, he put a little side bet on himself. I think he was only about eight or nine years old. Man went on to have a carnage of a life as a consequence of that. So it can it can happen if children are are uh, it's like anything if a, if a child is uh, if a child is um, you know in a position where they have access to alcohol or access to anything like that it can become a problem gambling as well yeah it can be but I mean anything can and I think if we look at this new gambling legislation it does an awful lot of good things in terms of not promoting gambling it introduces a new licensing system it introduces a new gambling regulator it prohibits the advertising of gambling, gambling products, gambling shops on TV or radio until okay. after 9pm. Yeah. So there's a lot of positive stuff in this. Okay. And I think the arguments that are being, being made here by Greyhound Awareness are very unfair and they're very one-dimensional. And the other thing I'd like to say is the community element of racing. Again, to take Curheen Park as an example, in quarter three and quarter four last year, they had nine fundraising events. That is nine clubs, community organisations and charities across Cork who benefited in the sum of 250000 Well, that's good that's to hear. I, and I've, I've no particular issue with any of that. And in fact, uh, you know, I understand that it is a business and it has to wash its own face and there are hens and there are stags and there would be 21sts there and 40ths and engagements and maybe weddings and company and corporate events. But surely communions is a step too far. I don't believe so. I've said it's one of the few activities that you can do that you can bring your grandparents, your parents, your sister, your brother. It's something that's very inclusive. If you want to have a drink, you can. If you want to get a meal, you can. If you'd prefer to get fast food or calvary, you can. If you just want to watch the races. And I mean, I've seen kids watching races. They watch the dogs get ready. They say, I like that dog. I hope that dog wins. It's a fun night out. It is a family night out. And again, the other thing is, Neil, this is an advertising campaign. If you have a child who's getting their communion and you think, you know what, that'd be a great night out, fantastic, bring them along. But equally, if there are parents who look at that and think that's inappropriate, then they're not going to do oh, it. Oh, I know that, but this argument, this argument actually state. fundamentally has to do with cruelty to animals. An RT investigation yeah, in I, 2019 I said that 6,000 greyhounds were killed in 2019 for not racing fast enough. Yeah, and that was disgraceful for the industry. And an awful lot of change has happened since then. It's now incredibly accountable. It's one of the most highly regulated sports that you have going. Um, There's an ongoing system of traceability. The system is updated every 42 days. So, for instance, if you have a dog who runs and, I don't know, say, gets an injury or you decide to let them have puppies or they come into their time, so therefore they're out for a period of time. But if they're well-being or update is not updated on that traceability system within 42 days they won't be allowed to race and you will either get a physical call or a phone call to say where is dog x so yes there have been issues in the past but there is also it's a great industry a lot of things have changed there's a massive rehoming program okay 
Okay. Let I me just, just think, again, statements that are made, being made by Katie in relation to all dogs being put down, I think that's a downright lie. And I think it's very disrespectful to people who keep dogs. And, and she didn't say, dogs. Katie didn't say that they're all she put did. down. She, she said a large amount of them She said they're the rehomed. They, she said they're, oh yeah, well she did say, she said they're rehomed. Yeah, sent that, to yeah. Spain or some end up in a... And Katie, are you, going, are, you going to, are you going to protest for communion and confirmation season? Or do you still have active protests uh, at, uh, at the dog track? Well, can I just go back to your point that, that the councillor said, you said that the industry was, was regulated. It's actually self-regulated. And it's, it, the traceability system that they have is completely in secret. Nobody can actually, um, there's no oversight of it. Nobody can actually have a look. We've checked for, for dogs who were actually uh, exported to China. Why so would they go to China? Export. Okay, well, um, actually, greyhounds have always been going to China for racing. Now, at the moment, well, technically, uh, racing is illegal in China, but they, they, they do actually have greyhound racing in China. I'm trying to stick to really the, the centre okay. of the conversation here, and the question is, do you still protest at Corraheen Park? We're not, we're not protesting at the moment. Um, during the winter, it's not. Um, it's, you know, it, it's very, very cold and it's very, very dark out there. But actually, the numbers going to, to Corraheen seem to have diminished um, but can, can I just go back to, to greyhounds that are being sent to China? So the traceability is not counting that. And, and actually, they've been sent over to China to be bred. His breeding yeah, but we said, let's, like, what's the issue there? Like, we sent horses overseas. Horses breed, don't they? Um, just, well, like... but, yeah, but um, they're being bred uh, to race. They have underground racing, as in illegal racing. Okay. All right. But okay. the, welfare, the animal welfare um, laws in China are not very good. And, uh, and I think when you saw the RT Investigates programme, you saw what happened to one, to a greyhound. I'm not going to describe what happened. Can I just ask about communions and confirmations as to what, what you intend to do next, Katie? What, what we intend to do next? Well, we're going to keep um, working on the industry and point and highlighting their problems in the industry, like um, dogs being sent to China, being sent to Pakistan, being sent to, um, to Spain. Um, no, I'm talking um, about the communions and confirmations. Oh, the um, well, they're not going to be starting for a little while. Um, so I'm not, um, and, I, and I think that actually might have been a previous year's um, campaign that, that got picked up by the journal. Um, oh, so it's, it's ha- no, it says preparing your child's communion and confirmation in 2024. So they are looking at this season to come. All right, I want to thank you both. Much obliged to Ca- Councillor Eileen Lynch and also Katie Corcoran. I want to have a quick call with uh, uh, Paddy, who apparently uh, owns a number of greyhounds. Back after the break. Call Neil now. 0818 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Oh, text 0868 and people are, and the text that I see coming in so far, it wouldn't have seemed to me as if greyhounds Awareness Cork are winning this argument. People are saying, get a life, it's one night only. They already have parties for Christmas and Santa Claus at the track and everything. And some people will stoop to anything to criticise. That's just a typical example of a lot of the texts already this morning. Paddy owns a number of greyhounds. Paddy, good morning. Hi, Neil, how are you? I'm going, still in all, you would have communion children um, around uh, in an alcohol setting where there would be betting. Uh, no problem there, you think? No, well, then you have a problem, didn't you, with families going out having a meal and having a glass of wine at the table? Yes, yeah, um, that, but not betting, though, you know, not, not watching dogs running but around the, the track. Kids are, the kids are not betting. Mm, yeah, but they might get, I mean, as they say, they might get the lip for it and they might think, God, this is fun, I want to do this when I grow up, kind of, you know what I mean? But can, 
Yes, but couldn't you say the same thing so about kids sitting down with their parents having a glass of wine? True, true, true. But isn't there, it, it, you know, isn't it against the law, though, for children to be on, um, are not permitted into, uh, say, a bookie's office or anywhere where there's gambling? You can't as far as I'm aware, Neil, Neil, the Greyhound track is considered a sporting venue. And I think is it true. with hotels, there's some yeah, yeah. kind of extra period of time that they're allowed to stay on the that it would be like going to Parky Cueve or something like that where there would be a bar exactly. but you're, yeah you're there to watch a match kind of thing sure I mean every match now that you go to Neil there are bookmakers betting on it so what are we going to do there are we going to stop betting on matches well children yeah, actually children would go to race meetings wouldn't they uh, on the course horse racing Totally. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. And also the issue around the table, though, is that parents might place bets for children, though, if they're at the table, just to make the well, night out more exciting. Isn't that more bad parenting than something to do with the ground track? Yeah. 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 So the, the, what they're what they're really attempting to do is to get more families to go uh, to eat, have a few drinks, and a few bets, um, as opposed to anything else. You know, like I'm just curious as to whether it should stretch to communion age children. You know, uh, well, isn't isn't going to be the same for every restaurant in Cork? The, the time of holy communions and confirmations, people looking for that business and are quite entitled to look for it. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I would imagine as well that much of the issue with greyhound awareness campaigns is that there's a cruelty aspect to greyhound racing. Well, that's in their opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, if you want cruelty, uh, Neil, I've had a situation before risen with greyhound awareness Cork, where they put my details up on their website that I sent the dog to China, which was totally incorrect. Now they printed my name. My telephone number. And have you proof of all of this? Oh yes, oh yes. You have you have screen grabs of it and photocopies. Oh, I have. It's totally, and you can actually, Neil. I can tell you offline. It's actually there's still right. things in okay. England okay. with my name up on. And they the were website. false in the sense that you there hadn't were, sent. Tell me what was false about what was said. I actually, Neil, had sold the greyhound, right? Yeah. And a person from Northern Ireland bought it. I received money. I sent in my forms to the ICC in Camel to say that right. I had sold the Greyhound. Yeah. That person who bought the Greyhound never furthered the details and my name was kept on the race card. Now, Cork Awareness printed that on the website with my address, my telephone numbers. At the time, Neil, my mother was going through cancer. I had two people call to my door. I had to get rid of my household phone here due to abuse that we received. Really? You were receiving abusive phone calls after your number was shared? Yes. And I actually had to go to Toker Garda Station to report it. I had two gentlemen that came to my front door and started abusing me. I didn't know what they were there for. Had no idea. And what were they, what were they claiming you had done? That I had sent this dog and it was cruelty and all this. Neil, the abuse that I received online was absolutely horrendous. And, de- and, My, and sharing your personal details and phone number, wh- why do you think that was done? So that you would get phone calls? Exactly. Exactly. And I can tell you something, Neil. My mother at the time, as I said, she was going through cancer treatment. I had to take the house phone out of the house, which I didn't want to do. 
because of the abuse we were receiving online. And and, was and it constant phone calls or was it the odd Constantly, one? constantly. And Neil, the GRI, who were the head of the Greyhound Racing Ireland, did an investigation into it, which I had to go through myself. And it wasn't pleasant. And look, they were doing their job. But look, I was cleared of any wrongdoing. But yet this group had put my name up on a website claiming I had sent it out to China. Okay. But that was because some character in the north didn't update the paperwork, was it? Exactly. But, but, exactly. Putting, but putting your name and your address up online, of course, that is not a nice thing to do. because Well, I can tell you something, Neil. I had an off my plate at the time with my mother, as I said. She was going through radiation and chemotherapy at the time. Yeah. And to start getting that kind of abuse, whether we had enough on our plate at the time. And were there other people answering? Were there other people in the family answering the phone and getting that kind of abuse? Yes, actually, my daughter Shauna, she actually rings you from now to now, now and again. Actually, yeah, Yeah. it was it was absolutely Neil. It was online. The stuff online that was said about me and my family was appalling. Okay, okay. And did it did it stop eventually? I mean, you 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 changed you changed your number. Did that put an end to it? yeah, it did. When I got rid of the house phone and my address is still up online, thanks be to God, it did stop. I think it was eventually probably got out there that I was not responsible for it. But at the time, Neil, it was a very, very traumatic time to go through, to be honest with you. I can well Especially imagine. I can mother. well imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, yeah. this, like, like cock awareness can actually come on the radio shows and this is, it's actually very upsetting to hear them because they can throw stuff out there and nobody comes back to take them up in the points. Well, you certainly did. You shot a lot. You shone a lot of light as to what happened to you when your information was shared on which it should, which it should never be, actually. It should never become personal down to one individual. I'm, I'm going to ask Katie Corkin actually to respond to that, if you don't mind, Paddy. Do, yes. Yeah, okay. All right. Much obliged to you. We'll pick it up after after 10. I, 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 forgive me for asking, but how, how did your mum recover? Sorry for no, asking. No, my mother passed away. Thank you, Neil. No, oh, I'm sorry to hear away. that. I'm sorry to hear that. Pat. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Okay. Well, listen, let's see what we have to say on the matter. Much obliged. Back after 10. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Certainly is. Get involved in the conversation. The Neil Prenderville Show with Mercedes Benz Cork. Text 0868104106. Where do I start? There are pages and pages and pages, particularly on uh, Cork Greyhound Track and Greyhound Racing. But I did mention um, electric cars this morning and the amount of people taking out loans to buy them. You're on another electric car rant again, I see. Uh, Can I please correct you? Electric cars don't just die after seven years, like you quote. That's the warranty the manufacturer stands over on the battery, seven years. Um, I'd love to see, um, you know, uh, maybe a, a warranty where it says that the battery will last for 300,000 kilometres or 400,000 or 500,000. Uh, but anyway, maybe they do exist as well. Some garages are not even taking EVs back now, not to mind in seven years' time. No one wants to buy a second-hand electric vehicle due to the battery concerns. Morning, I'm actually a mechanic and just to make people aware, I'm also an enthusiast about the Chinese electric vehicles. However, make sure to look at the cap safety rating especially for the new MGs. The NCAP safety ratings are very low. 
Not quite sure what in-cap means, but I know what you mean about safety ratings. Uh, oh, I see. Another clickbait comment from Neil about electric cars. You need to get the facts. Most modern battery packs will last up to 20 years. There are some first-gen Nissan Leafs that have done a million miles and still going strong. Well, in fairness to you, I stand corrected on that. If I got it wrong, my understanding was, okay, if it's a warranty for seven years, I was of the understanding that after seven years, uh, the battery really was approaching the end of life. Um, On spending €800,000 bringing in foreign pets, uh, so sure, why not do it for foreigners and house the pets too? We're absolute fools, known in Europe as a refugee nation. Small little island. The government is ruining us and ruining our own Irish businesses as well. The government should be taken to the Europe court for not doing their duty of care firstly to its own citizens says Shiona uh, and then a vast amount on uh, Greyhound Racing, lots and lots of texts, I have to say um, um, I wouldn't say it's anywhere like 50-50 uh, I would say the vast majority of people are saying that um, people should get a life, it's only a bit of fun uh, and people need to relax, a couple of typical examples of that, uh, Greyhound Racing, what Katie had to say, she should get her facts right about Greyhound Racing there are a lot of bigger issues in the country, ask that lady if we should ban the GAA for children so if we see a player getting a slap of a ball or something, uh, what nonsense every pub is showing soccer or some other sport, so perhaps we should ban children from pubs, says Tony next they'll be saying your child can't go into the shop with you while you're doing the lottery it's the same thing, isn't it? Um, of course the adult Neil will get the child to pick a dog at the Greyhound track same as our dads let us pick a horse in the Grand National and bet on that Damien says, I think the real problem is why are we still celebrating communions? Do these people go to mass on a weekly basis. That's a story from another day, I suppose. But um, Paddy, who himself is a greyhound racer, I'm not sure if he's actually a breeder or a racer, but he was put through some terrible trauma there uh, when his details were shared online and ended up getting individuals calling to his house and indeed um, his phone, so much so uh, that he had to get rid of his home phone. He had an awful lot going on in his life at this time with his mother going through uh, chemotherapy and and radiation, and it was a bad time. It was a bad time, and he said uh, that uh, his information was was shared. Uh, I wanted to give Katie Corcoran an opportunity to respond to that, see if she was aware of that story. Katie, good morning again. Hi, good morning again, Neil. Are you aware of of Patty's situation? It does. It doesn't ring a bell. I don't remember. We don't normally. Well, we don't have any interest in in um, putting up people's um, phone numbers or anything because we don't condone, um, you know, sending abusive emails or or um, phone calls of, of, or anything like that, any kind of abusive behaviour to humans or to dogs. Um, so I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. He said that it was up on, on an English website. Um, I'm not quite sure. He said, he said also that it was on our website, but I know that what sometimes we put up is what is uh, public information on the Irish Coursing Club, and that just gives the, pers- the, the owner's name and the county. So that's normally what we would... No, I appreciate you might have to go and check if this happened. Are you saying you wouldn't even have to check, that you wouldn't have shared anything to do with anybody's name or phone number? As as a a normal practice, we normally wouldn't do that because we don't condone, um, you know, people just phoning up um, private individuals like that. We don't condone that. We don't encourage it. That's not really what's going to be effective. Um, you know, for the greyhounds. Yeah. But even if if there was like any distress that was caused by anything that was on our page, I do apologise to Paddy. 
because that's not what, what we're about. We're, we're, we're there to help greyhounds, not to, you know, and, and, and uh, we know that, that sometimes people abuse greyhounds, but that's not up to us to deal with and we don't send anybody... Um, okay, because you, know, you can imagine the consequence of somebody sharing somebody's address or their phone number, not just to the person themselves, the invasion of privacy, mm-hmm. the fear of phone calls, uh, the fear of people calling to the door, but also to wives and partners and children. Absolutely. Um, um, I think he mentioned that, that uh, he went to the Guardian Talker. Now, we get our permits for the, 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 the protests um, from Talker Guard Station. So they would have my personal phone number. They would have our group name. They, we have to do it in writing. And, and I've heard nothing from the Guardian Talker about this. Okay. So, um, okay. Okay. To be to be fair, to be all concerned, I've got Paddy back yeah. again just to see if it actually, yeah. if you could say where his phone number and his address. Paddy, did you want to come back on that? Yes, I'd be delighted because the absolute untruth that I'm hearing from Katie is unbelievable. They publish my details of the Greyhounds card on their website. I went to Toker Garda Station and made a complaint. They advised me at the time to go to a solicitor my solicitor wrote to Greyhound Awareness it was eventually it was taken down from their site I can actually tell her the name of the Greyhound I'm not interested in the names of dogs or where dogs ended up because I can't prove any of that and I want to be fair to everybody including those that own and rear and breed and race dogs Neil, offline, I can give you the full details of my solicitor. You have my permission to contact him and he will give you the full details. Okay. I have nothing to hide, Neil. Okay. So you were you saying that it was on Greyhound Awareness Cork that your details were on their On their site, my name was published on the card with the name of the Greyhound. All my details were put up online. And why would In that have region, been, Katie? Why would that why would that card or what I'm not quite sure what the card is, details of the dog It's these, the identity card. Okay. It's the identity card near every greyhound gets an identity card and in the inside of it gives your name, your address, your mobile number and your home number. Okay. And why would that have been put on a website? Was it were they were they making a false claim against you? They were making a false claim that the certain dog in question that I had sent to China. Okay, okay, and that was untrue. No, and actually, Neil, if if you want to, actually, I still my solicitor at the time had to actually had to go after a crowd in England as well, where actually my details is still up in line there. Okay, are you aware of any of that, Katie, uh, with regards no, to we, a solicitor's we've never letter? Received, we have never received the solicitor's letter. It may be. Um, somebody else is referring to. We, we have never received a solicitor's letter from anybody. Yeah. Could it have been another organisation? It was not. It was ground with Neil. As I said to you, okay. I will give you the full details offline. You can contact my solicitor. He can forward on anything that you want to because I have nothing to hide in this situation. Okay, okay. But you're not aware, Katie. You wouldn't condone it. You're I'm saying you don't aware. know of the case, but he... Uh, do you, and do you have proof of that, Paddy, actually? Oh, yes. Copies of things. 100% proof. I, as I said, Neil, I can give you the name of my solicitor. No, it's just that I see... I understand. I see another from Greyhound Awareness. There's a post up saying, naming an individual as one of the Irish trainers who has sent greyhounds to their deaths in Macau. And you, na- you have a photograph of the trainer up on it. You also name the airline yeah. that flew the dog um, and say stop sending greyhounds to China. Now the phone number and the address details of this individual are not but he's named and his photograph is up on the website. You were at that Neil, one Katie? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. And is that fair, though, that you personalise it like that? Well, that is that information was from newspapers. It's not some information that that we received. That's public information on newspapers. I oh, know, but publishing somebody's yes. name and their photograph, though, can have very serious consequences to their personal safety. But this this information is in newspapers. It is, and I have copies of that as yes. well. I'm just curious yes. as to whether it's it, it's in, it could be deemed as incitement. You know, I'm just wondering. Okay. 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 Neil, do they do they realise? Do they realise the pressure that I was put under that, in, in that time? As I said, my mother was going through uh, chemotherapy and radiation and everything at the time. And to have that put down on top of me as well. And this was in Cork. This wasn't anywhere else. I had two people that came to my door. That information is available over at Tokyo Garden Station. And they actually told me at the time, I'd have to take a private... Pr- a private case or whatever against him at the time. How long ago? Uh, this has gone back about four years ago. Okay. Were you involved then, Katie, I wonder? Yes. Okay. yes. But you have no knowledge of this or any solicitor's no. letter? Uh, or the oh, case? We definitely have, no, we definitely haven't received well, any Katie, solicitor's letter. Katie, I can tell you now 100% and clarify this. You received an, an email for my solicitor at the time and you took the information down from your website okay, okay, after okay. receiving the letter. A letter or an email? It was an email. Oh, 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 an email okay. was sent to okay. you. Okay, he says, she solicitor. says, no, and, and you have, infra- you have uh, paperwork yes, to back Neil, that up. As I said to you, uh, as I said to you now, Neil, and we can clarify there this was, very easily, yeah. I will give you the name of my solicitor off the air. You can contact him with my full, and he will tell you the full story. Okay. No, no so, dog ever went to China. He had sold the dog. The details hadn't been updated. So what you shared may have been innocently, although I doubt it would be innocently if you share somebody's mobile phone number. You can understand the consequences of doing something like that, Katie, yeah? Um, absolutely. And now, and now that Paddy's online, I would like to apologise for any distress caused to him. Because okay. we don't agree with abusing people. It's not, the, it's not going to help the greyhounds. Um, it's not the way to go. I mean, we're, we're not interested in... Okay. W- we don't. We don't. We don't actually want people step, you know, arriving at people's doors or phoning people um, on their on their phone numbers um, and and abusing them. It doesn't help. Well, then, if you're it, sharing it things like that, you should redact a phone number or an address. I, I don't. I, I, I'm not aware. You're of not aware. Sharing okay. Okay. No, I'm not aware. Okay. Um, and I do, actually, we are very careful what details we put up. And sometimes we, if we have like even a town, we, we don't put up. We just put up the county. Okay. You, she's um, not aware of it. But if it happened, Paddy, she apologizes. I have no problem. But you know, the funny thing about it, myself and Katie have something in common. We're both in the interest of greyhounds. And I mean... That documentary that was in 2019 appalled a lot of people in the ground industry. And uh, one question I'd love to ask Katie, how many people were charged from that program, Katie? 2019, how many people got charged with abuse or anything to do with greyhounds on that documentary? I'm not. I'm not aware. But Are I you know aware, Paddy? I am. There was actually none, Neil. Okay. And to be very honest with you, as a greyhound man, Neil, yeah. I was appalled with some of the stuff on that. And to me, that would have been the course. That would have been the coursing meetings, probably, was it? 
No one tried to putting dogs down racing. and slaughter places okay. and whatsoever. Yeah. There was no one charged with anything that that time, Neil. Okay. And to be very honest with you, Neil, as a lot of my people that I would be friendly with in the ground game, a lot of us were disappointed. Because no one wants to see cruelty. And you saying there is no cruelty at all in, in rearing greyhounds, or particularly to the ones that don't make it, or those that get injured Neil, or hurt? Can I just say something to you? Walk out the front door of Corrigan Park and look across the way and Mary Mount is there. Life is cruel. There's cruelty happening every day of the week. There's people dying of cancer. Life can be very cruel. The best yeah, no, no, I'm asking you a question. I want to be fair now to all concerned. I'm just asking you about, about cruelty to an, to an animal where it's done for sport or entertainment, where the the end game here is is gambling and entertainment, you know? Uh, like but Neil, that's the way you look at it. There's a lot of people out there with a dog or two, West Cork, East Cork, that go out on a morning, like this morning, take their dog for a walk, leave them off the lead, leave thing. them run around, no, and thing. it actually keeps them... I'll tell you something, Neil, where it really came to life was during COVID, where people, their dogs kept them sane. Paddy, I know, and, and you yeah, probably are a very compassionate breeder and racer. I, I'm not just being there for a moment. Well, I think what happened to you was awful. It was disgusting. I'm so sorry to hear it. But I'm asking you, is there, is there like, if, if Primetime have footage and they see it, and we see the video footage and we see it on television, there is an issue there. There has to be. But so, as I said to you, Neil, how many people got a conviction that but, time but, over but, that program? I know, I know, but that, that doesn't mean that it didn't happen if there's video evidence to show exactly. it. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And to be honest with you, there's no one in the greyhound industry who condone that. Um, actually, you know, I think Paddy and myself might agree on something else. We probably both agree that it's not all right to give that cocaine or... Um, or Viagra or methyl- met, um, to, to greyhounds. I'm sure we agree on that as well, but it still has 100%. It's like human beings yeah. in the Olympics. There people do things to gain an advantage, and in my opinion, they should be eliminated from any sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The okay. difference would be that greyhounds can't choose to take cocaine, but whereas humans can choose to take, you know, you have a, and it does a lot more harm. You, you can have a, you have a chat feed as well on Greyhound Awareness Cork, and when you put up posts, uh, councillor, the Count Fianna Gael councillor Eileen was back on again, and there's a post of her, Eileen Lynch, uh, pushing for the resumption of racing, um, uh, and her photograph is up online, and then you allow open comments there where people are calling her really disgusting names uh, the, you know scabby C and, and stuff like that and uh, um, do, do, do you do you monitor the posts you put up at all because that could lead also uh, to her personal safety being compromised do you do you, do you yeah. moderate the posts because it doesn't seem to me as if we, you do well we we actually have you know you can have a word protector so certain words are not allowed and well, Scabby, Scabby, C U N T, about a about oh, a, a, a sitting councillor or anybody. Yeah, that's not allowed. It's there. That's that, okay. I'm going to have a look at that. We we do monitor um, the photographs. We don't we don't agree with abuse to people because it's not helpful. But uh, let me have a look at that. Yeah, brain dead is another one. Yeah. You know, you can't be. You know, you got to you got to be doing your best to moderate the posts that are yeah. people putting up. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been like up it's since it's been a, it's been sitting there on your platform since 2020, calling her a scabby okay. C U N T. You know.
Okay, I'm going to have a look at that. Okay, all okay. right. Okay, much obliged to you both. Thank you. Um, nice chat with you, Paddy, uh, and thanks for taking Cheers, the call. Thank, thank, you, thank you. Take care, Kitty Corkin, as well. Just very quickly after the break. Call Neil now. 0818 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. It's a vicious place, the online world, as particularly if your information is shared. Uh, there are security guards, Neil, walking around monitoring anyone betting at Corraheen Track and absolutely wouldn't tolerate anything. My son and daughter went greyhound racing all their lives. My son and daughter are well educated and never had any problems. What about the lotto or bingo in the newspapers? Um, they are just totally anti-everything. You can come and visit my greyhound kennels anytime. It's like a five-star hotel. All greyhounds have to be accounted for and if the IGB don't know where your greyhounds are, you're barred from racing. Uh, another one here, animal cruelty. I'm like a lunatic here. How can they come on about cruelty to greyhounds my five-year-old Bijan Frige got mauled by one of them a year and a half ago a greyhound why is she worried about what parents do with their children for communion cruel is what that vicious mongrel did to my poor pet I still have flashbacks of that horrible attack on our family pet I'd say I will never ever forget it these dogs should be muzzled I would close down racetracks and just get rid of every greyhound in the country they are horrid and disgusting one final one who in their right minds would celebrate a communion at a dog track and they're absolutely right to protest. We shouldn't be exposing our children to betting and we should want to teach our children empathy towards all animals. It's a cruel industry. Come on, Neil. People need to take off their blinkers and realise the cruelty behind closed doors. Just a few points there and a lot of other texts to get through between now and quitting time, I can tell you. But uh, I want to talk to Tony, who's uh, chairman of the advisory committee in Corrigan Park, keeps dogs and stuff. Sorry, Tony, I don't, have, I don't have your surname. I don't know whether that's intentional or not. Tony, yeah. not. Tony, fair play. Thank you for Good morning to you. Uh, how would you respond to the criticism, particularly when we talk about um, communion age and communion parties or communion celebrations at the dog track? I respond to this, like you went to the supermarket and you took the queue to go to the counter and you see men women buying lottery tickets with their children beside them. I mean, what's wrong with that? The exposure to gambling is way overrated. They're at the doctor. It's a great night out. They have freedom to run around and play and they have to meet people. And it's a great social night out. There is absolutely nothing wrong with it. Absolutely nothing. There is no way. If the parents can only get for the child, that's bad parenting. We can't go around to catch the parents by the ear and say, don't you do that. But all we do is provide a safe environment for a night out and a bit of fun. Okay. Um, so while this is communions and confirmations, do you also advertise well, it for children's parties or do you have a sense? visit Santa Claus or anything like that? We do have a sense. We have a Santa Claus every year. We give out kitty bags and all. But it's just... And the children, they, they have no interest in debating. They love watching the dogs running. And they're, they're just at a night out. We advertise everything to do the same as any hotel or any other public function. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I suppose the issue really that some, some groups would have is the cruelty behind the sport, much of which we saw on RTE TV programmes, you know? In the TV program, that's how it did. No, but we have a huge rehoming program. Every ground is accounted for. There's no way an 85% of our grounds are exported to England and any issues in Spain. As far as I'm concerned, the first thing they should do is the Spanish government or in the EU. They have to be accountable for their own welfare. If I sell anything in life, I can't be accountable for it in the afterwards. But, but, but what about so many greyhounds, say, being... And forgive me now, I wouldn't be any expert in this. I'm just like a layperson getting involved in the conversation. But what if lots of greyhounds were bred, but not all of them would be fast enough to be greyhound racing? Um, what what yes. happens to them? Are, are they are they put down? Are they rehomed? Or what what happens to them? 
Everyone in my way home now, it's just not good enough. It's as simple as that. I have an app on my phone. Every hump of I breathe here, it's written down. And I have to account for them every six, seven or eight weeks. Right. And every one of them is accounted for. There is no, that game of putting down dogs is not happening. And tell me then about the issue of a dog being injured on the track. It might break its neck or break its leg or something like that. Um, is that well, does that happen? If you book very, the number of issues in the, in the Corrine track is way under 1%. If you bought it near 1%, it would be zero, right? But it's slightly above, obviously, because things happen only in. But if the ground breaks his leg, you will repair his leg. There's a scheme going. The balls pay 500 pounds to man to get his dog fixed if he breaks his leg. Right? So if a dog breaks a leg, then, say, for instance, uh, while, while chasing the hare, they're not put yes. down. Because in horse racing, if a horse breaks its leg, forgive me, I'm, I believe that the, do- yes. the horse would be put down, right? Yes, because the horse is no marrow in his bone, so a horse leg won't repair. Okay. So the dog's leg will repair perfect. And the other scheme, the Irish Greyhound Ball paying 500 quid or more if needed to get the dog's leg repaired. That's a fact. This is not made up by anyone. It's a fact. So watching your parents betting then, and you're of communion age, you don't think that it might give them the compulsion to want to bet? Or indeed that you might have parents at the track betting on behalf of their children? Absolutely not. I'm watching television at night, and I see this woman that won the lotto, and uh, they're all flying on a big slide into the swimming pool with their bikinis, and they're all happy and all. <laughs> I mean, what's that? That's not what I think. I don't see anything wrong with that head. And <laughs> no, but I'm not saying Mammy and Daddy are betting at the table of the communion party. Yeah. They they may place a bet for the child, and the child might get excited about these kind of things and develop a problem later in life. If the parents want to be bad parenting for young bits for children, that's up to themselves. But, like, you buy a lottery ticket, you see how much the numbers come on television with your children, and say, oh, yes, one more number now with the checkpot card. So there's no issue with regards to licensing laws or having communion-aged children on the premises of the dog track late at night? No, so they must be up by 10 o'clock. And in the story, the same as going to a hotel for your communion and you have a soccer match on television and Liverpool playing Man United and they say Liverpool down one, they're now four to one. I mean, do you turn off their ears and put them outside the door while you're showing the end of the match? Okay, all right. Much obliged to you. Take care. Much and I just one last thing before yeah. I go, if you mind, like, I'm delighted that Paddy exposed Katie with the abuse because there is orchestrated campaigns of abuse against all our sponsors. By the cockwear and their and their lights. Well, in in the, in the form of of sharing information or sharing people's details, you're saying, or saying nasty ring things. Them, ring them at their places of work. Send them made up photographs of all this cruelty allegedly involved. And you have and proof. You have proof of that. We have proof. It. Yes, absolute proof of it. It's on all the websites, and it's orchestrated campaigns. Okay. All right. Much obliged. I won't go into further detail because I would need to see that proof myself before I could drill into it in any further. But um, very interesting aspect of conversation this morning I can tell you lots of texts on it thank you Tony Winters uh, chairman of the advisory committee in Curraheen Park I've been to the track loads of times it's a great night out for families great food the difference between a bookies or a casino to the dog track is that you only go to the bookies or a casino to bet going to the dog track is not just about betting plus where most children sit at a dog track there's no tote person walking around the tables glad you're talking about this I've been going racing since I was four years of age I now go to the dogs weekly as an adult and I have no interest in betting on them Katie talks about children's exposure to gambling they should be way more exposed to gambling and they would be and probably are way most exposed to gambling in the home environment environment where we have all the casino going on in our pocket 
also known as our mobile phones. Uh, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Can I just mention there is an awfully tragic story uh, that's um, just been breaking this morning. I'm reading from Ralph Regal's copy in the Irish Independent this morning. He says, Gardaí are treating the death of a six-year-old child in County Waterford as suspicious. Guardian paramedics were called to a rural property outside Dunmore East in Waterford late last evening amid concerns for the welfare of the occupants of a house. And a six-year-old boy was discovered unresponsive in a car parked not far from the property outside Dunmore East in County Waterford. A woman who is known to the child was discovered at the scene. The woman in her late 30s was arrested at the scene and brought to Waterford Garda Station for questioning. She's been detained. Uh, she was given emergency medical treatment at the scene and will also receive treatment while in Garda custody. Now, despite efforts which were made at the scene by paramedics to assist the unresponsive child, the youngster was rushed to University Hospital Waterford. Despite the efforts of doctors to stabilise the child's condition, the boy was pronounced dead shortly after 2am this morning. A guardie have sealed off the scene to allow for a full forensic and technical examination. The initial property is located just outside Dunmore East, 20 kilometres from Waterford City. The Office of the State Pathologist has been notified. A full post-mortem examination is scheduled. Garda sources said the nature of their investigation will determine be determined by the findings of the post-mortem examination. However, Ralph Regal in the Independence this morning says the boy's death is treated as suspicious, giving the circumstances involved. The woman arrested is understood to have been in a very distressed condition when detained by officers and they expect to commence local inquiries about when the child and the woman were last seen uh, and if neighbours heard or saw, or saw anything suspicious over recent days. And that's following the discovery of the boy uh, who passed away at the age of six, discovered in a car just outside um, um, Dunmore East in County Waterford. Awfully sad. Back after the break, text 0868 The Neil Prendival Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Welcome back to a lot of the text between now and uh, quitting time today. I read out that email from a serving member of Vanguardia Shikona uh, this morning, booked and paid for a trip to New York City in March, hoping to take part in the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Serving member says, I'm extremely upset and my colleagues as well at the news that as an organisation, Vanguardia Shikona are not allowed to take part in this year's parade. You should be highlighting the subject on your show that it would appear that Vanguardia Shikona are not welcome in the St. Patrick's Day Parade in New York City. Um, I wonder what the reason is. Do we even know? Pat Mara uh, was 33 years service with Angarda Shikona as a guard and a very senior detective, retired now. I wonder if he can shed in a light. Pat, good morning. Good morning. Uh, and, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, and it's actually a pleasure talking to you considering your career in itself. Perhaps more about that in a moment. But why aren't the guards welcome? Do you know? Well, from what I gather, and I only heard this yesterday, that uh, last year the Gardaí were uh, in position to march uh, on the parade at 10 o'clock and they were told by, I think, the organising committee they got it it wrong and they'd have to hang around to 2 o'clock. But uh, there was a bit of a standoff and they got walking in at 10 o'clock anyway, but it wasn't what the organisation committee wanted. And I think there may have been uh, words or disagreements or whatever, but uh, it's culminated now in uh, the organising committee not inviting the guards back this year, like, you know, which is really petty. 
because the Gardaí have a long-standing tradition of walking shoulder to shoulder with the New York Police Department and in uniform. And I can tell you, any guards who took part in that are very proud of the uniform and very proud to, to represent Angarda Shekana over there in that parade. And there are, let's say, long-lasting uh, relationships between people at uh, the guards and, and New York Police Department yeah. and other people there. So it's 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 really really a snap in the face, and it's really, I think it's 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 uncalled for. Like you know, when you look at it this way, the first. Uh, recorded St. Patrick's Day Parade was back in 1762 and it was organised by the Irish the Irish expats over there a lot of them army who were in the British army at mm. the time over there mm. and like it, 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 the parade has its origins in the Irish like you know so uh, I think it's 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 an insult really and uh, I would love if someone uh, sort of in the organising committee could see that or if there was a little bit of pressure putting them from maybe a political perspective, you know, to allow uh, the guards to, to, to go and uh, take part. And so th- so if it doesn't happen, will it be the first time in uh, a long, long time, perhaps, I don't know, does it go back to the formation of Vanguardia Shikona when they marched alongside the NYPD? Yeah, it goes back a long, long number of years. Absolutely, as long as I can remember. Yeah, anyway, like, yeah. you know, and of course, of course, members of Vanguardia Shikona travel on their own time at their own expense, don't they? Yes, they do, and they can bring their. They get permission to bring their uniform and wear it over there, you know. But now they have been given an email uh, uh, rescinding any permission that might have been given and t- uh, telling them that they cannot uh, use. They cannot bring their uniform with them, like you know. And our members so, upset. Uh, I mean, I have. I'm sure there are other texts, but this serving member says he and others have already paid their fare. Yes. Well, look, I've seen it on many an occasion when I was in the guards, where five and six and maybe up to 10 guards would say, well, we're going to go away for St. Patrick's weekend. We're going to New York. We're going to march in the parade. We're going to... And they would organise their their accommodation. Their, they'd organise everything, like, you know, and pay for it. And not only that, they're representing, you know, the, the police force over there. Yeah. And uh, they're always very well got. And, uh, do you know what I mean? They always conduct themselves with the highest uh, standard of professionalism, like when they're going in the parade and that, you know. Would many uh, travel, I wonder, Pat, and march in the parade? Oh, yeah. I, I'd say we're talking, uh, we'd be talking hundreds, hundreds plus, like, you know. And, uh, it seems it, to be blown it, completely I, out of proportion, um, doesn't it? That it is, yeah, of, and it's yeah, very yeah. late in the day as well, almost into the middle of February. Yes, it is, absolutely. Like, you know, but from the organising committee's point of view, they they look at it like, you know, this is the biggest St. Patrick's Day parade in the world. There's 150,000 people take part in the parade and there's over 2 million people turn up to watch it. So it is a huge event and it is a big, big day in the calendar, like, let's say, of what happens in New York. Yeah. But still, but still, they should look back at the origins of uh, St. Patrick's Day Parade and where does St. Patrick's, you know, uh, emanate from and all of that, like, and it definitely has the Irish connection. Yeah. And yeah. there is, has always been a good um, relationship between uh, Angarda Shikana and the New York Police Department, like, you know, so, like, uh, 
it, and really is. It, it's sort of uh, scandalous, really, like, you know, and uh, I think, you know, uh, it's very disappointing for the people who have paid already and are going to go and can't take part in it, like, you know. And, um, and, 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 and I know you talk about possible political intervention and, and that may well happen. Who knows, even at this late stage. But yeah. should, should the NYPD do something um, to, to help, do you think? Well, maybe I'd say that they are, or they, they would certainly have no objections for Angarish Street Connor taking part. But they are not going to have a situation where New York Police Department are going to say, well, we're not going in it if the guards are not coming. Like, you know, it's not going to happen. But what I'm saying is that. Uh, Even though that the NYPD would be fairly full of people of Irish descent. Oh, well, absolutely. Absolutely. I worked with them myself, and I can tell you there's a huge respect for the Irish. Uh, huge, and most of. A lot of the police I came out across in New York have our second generation, or third Irish, like you know, and they, 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 they are very proud of it, like you know. So I think they would be a bit uh, uh, peed off yeah. that the guards are not coming and rubbing shoulders with them, like you know. But it is down to the organisation, the, the organisation committee, like you know, and it's there the people that will make that decision. It's still not too late in the day. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, but I think it has to. Some pressure has to come on them in some, some aspect. Some you yeah. know, like okay. you know, they, they have to be settled. But they, I think they should be brought back to the roots of the uh, parade and what it means and who organised it initially and how it grew and you know the the relationship between uh, you know you know and and, and it's, it's but it, like you know it's it's a, it's, it's do you know what I mean? I don't know. Like you know, it's it's when you look at it, it's something simple that you'll be able to totally out. talk about throwing oh. the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, this is an extreme uh, yeah, consequence yeah, yeah, of something you know. that could easily have been sorted out. And anyway, the Garda Shikana yeah. should march alongside the NYPD. It would make perfect Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And and if there's any, let's say. Uh, grievance with the organisation committee, uh, like what's stopping on Gary Sheehan inviting them over on a day outside of St Patrick's Day to, to uh, experience uh, some of the culture of Ireland and uh, the sights and the sceneries and uh, you know, absolutely, and, 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 uh, yeah. just treat them, treat them. Say, look, just sorry for that. What happened? Look, there's no hard feelings and shake hands and. Like, you Let's know. see what happens next. You literally wrote the book on your time within Angarda Shikana, the book called The Making of a Detective. You started out as a yeah. guard and worked your three... I mean, what an incredible career. You, you covered an awful lot of very, very high-profile cases, murder, fraud, kidnapping. What, what, yeah. and you probably were there for some of the big changes within uh, policing, and that would be, would I be right in saying the use of forensics and the use of DNA and things like that? Yeah, 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 that had all advanced in my time, yeah, absolutely, and with the fingerprints, we got the APHIS machine in and all of that type of stuff, so there was uh, crime detecting and, uh, you know, uh, was becoming, there was the, the tools were coming there for us to use, like, you know, and especially DNA was a great groundbreaker, like, you know, and, uh, and, and one thing I always say about DNA is not only would it prove someone's guilt, but it would prove someone's innocence. We forget that absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and I think it's 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 and and the guards, like in all fairness, as an organisation uh, and Forensic Ireland that set up a, a proper procedural, uh, you know, uh, aspect in respect of taking people's DNA and having them uh, analysed and all of that type of stuff. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. and I have a, some interesting stories. Uh, two of them, two murders I did, like where DNA was used and. 
uh, you know, was very, very prominent in solving the cases and that, you know. So, um, but look, it's, yeah, it, 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 it's a tool in the toolbox. Not just so the only one, though, that came about that has helped very much. CCTV would be another one and probably mobile absolutely. phone technology and pinging masts and knowing where somebody yes, was at any given yes. time, yeah? Yeah, well, look, at, I suppose the famous one is Joe O'Reilly. Uh, you were and, part uh, of that, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I was on, on that. Uh, I was one of the main figures on that. And we, we we got the, let's say, indication from Vodafone that there was this thing called triangulation and, uh, you know, cell site analysis, which we didn't know about at that stage. But we looked into it and uh, we discovered that, Jeannie, this might be something that we could use or look at. And through an engineer that Vodafone sent from France to us uh, we were able to establish with Joe Riley's home that he was actually using travelling out to his home and back again like you know yeah. and he was present present at the time around that time when Rachel would have been killed because we had his car or a car very similar to his going up and down at a time when Rachel's uh, car went up and down like you know so yeah. it was all yeah. filled in and yeah. all so like you know it's, 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 uh, it was a fascinating case it was very hard it was very hard hard, um, not hard to solve, but we, it was hard old slog, like, you yeah, know, it wasn't yeah. just, it was hard work, like most murder investigations are, it's all to do with hard work and putting your nose to the grindstone and not giving up and keep going, like, you Did know. Did you find it and, a very uh, fulfilling career? It was, yeah, and uh, I must say that, uh, uh, you know, the guards are not without their, let's say, uh, difficulties in, you know what I mean, in 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 in, in some of the structures and that. But look, at, I enjoyed myself. I got out of it. What I put into it, and it, when I retired, I got a lot of letters from families that I helped and families that uh, I I sort of locked up the ones that killed their daughters and sons and stuff. And uh, they, you know, genuinely thanked me for. Uh, my time with them that the way I treated them helped them get over or not get over but get through the difficulty yeah, at that yeah, time yeah, like you know yeah, yeah. so I think that's a testament to the professionalism uh, the Gardaí can bring to investigations you know and I think it's it's the ultimate um, let's say taking the red box that you've done a good job like you know but having uh, seen as much as you saw in your life a lot of it gruesome that must be a very difficult thing to live with you know because you you know imagine the, that there would be scenes still imprinted in your mind you know do, do, do you, did you ever do, do, do you see your detective struggle with that when they come upon awful scenes yeah, well, I'd say a lot of people do, but they don't admit it, like, you know, and maybe when they retire and get off, they look back and say, Jenny, I, I need to talk to someone about this or whatever. And I did, and I did go to a counsellor and did speak about some of the things, and it was the best thing ever, like, you know. But it really only affected me when there was children involved and that, uh, like, you know. I yeah. I was really, I'd get upset now when there was children involved, like, you know, because it, children are so, are innocent and... You know that yeah, sure they don't know. deserve. They don't deserve any. You know, and a, you know, a childhood lasts a lifetime. Like you know, so children bring a lot of that with them into their adulthood, and that. And I actually, I was only a guy who was talking to me the other day about like these murderers that I dealt with. And I can honestly say that every one of them had a childhood trauma, like you know, of some sort. You know, so it does manifest them, and it does. Uh, 
it does sort of stunt their emotional growth and that like so um, mm, mm. I know it's it does, just, you know, it used to be a case of the odd murder here and there particularly in the county of Cork but now God knows there's three or four on the go yeah. at any one time I don't know why that is yeah yeah yeah. yeah no it's just, uh, it just it's, I don't know look it's, it's just a society and the way it's gone like yeah. I suppose you know but I'm sure we could put a, a logical explanation on it but at the end of the day I think there's a lot of, very, a lot of unhappy people out there I think life moves moves too fast and we all individually should be looking at you know being more calm and more relaxed and more giving you know I wish that it could be that way yeah listen yeah, thank, yeah, you, thank you for taking the call but thank I, you I, I, yeah, I'll, just, I'll just say one more thing before I go I have, yeah. I have another book coming out now in uh, May uh, I wrote the book with Robin Schiller a journalist uh, it's on the murder of Detective Garda Adrian Donahue who uh, I, which I solved that crime it took five years but um uh, it's a comprehensive, let's say, book on how the investigation uh, traced the killer and, and got him and uh, got him locked up, like after the trial and that. And um, what's the book called? So it, it's, it's called Murder at Lordship: Inside the Hunt for a Detective's Killer. Okay. And it's out on it's out on the first of May, uh, and uh, we're having a launch on the first of May in Dublin, and there's a, a launch on the third of May in 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 Mullingar, where I live, you know, okay. in Easton. So like, but uh, it it will be. Um, it's a fascinating read. Uh, people tell me, uh, and the publishers say it's 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 going to be very good. There's a lot of detail in it that the public wouldn't know about her. Excellent. You know, okay. uh, you know, okay. murder at lordship. The inside inside the hunt for a detective's killer, which follows up on your other yeah. book, the making of a detective. Yeah. Listen, yeah. thanks for taking the call. Let's yeah. see what happens next in the New York parade incident issue. But yeah, uh, and yeah. also, yeah, yeah. thank thank you for your yeah. service yeah. all those years. Thank you so much. No, 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 no. Thank you very much. Much thank obliged you. for now. Pat Murray. Take care, sir. Lines are open. Text 0868-104-106. Back after the break. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Yes, indeed, with Mercedes-Benz Cork. You had a gambling addict on years ago. Her granny used to get her to scratch the granny's scratch cards from the age of six, and it was the catalyst to a gambling addiction. I have the Lidl app and I stopped allowing my child to scratch the card on the app because of that woman's story alone. Fine Gael councillor said we don't live in a nanny state. Since when? The government now has more laws and controls over the people than the East German Politburo had. Uh, all we're short now is the Stasi, but then again, CCTV or phones and tablets do all the su- surveillance jobs that the Stasi used to do, says Pat. But can you see how effective those things are in solving crime, Pat? Um, there's no need for greyhound racing not to mind exposing children to battling and animals potentially getting or sh- that should be betting not battling um, not to mind exposing children to betting and animals potentially getting hurt or killed it's a barbaric sport uh, Katie is making a great point the other lady sounds as if she's got an issue against um, betting or sorry against people who have an issue with cruelty maybe because Katie's argument is 100% valid well we take all people's points of view here, that you can be sure. But sh- but sharing uh, a photograph of a sitting per- councillor or any individual um, or sharing anything or resharing something that goes on then to have um, people allowed to make comments 
where name calling is engaged or somebody is called some of the words that I used earlier on this morning that is not acceptable not 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 just for a politician or a councillor but for anybody that is not right and just one or two more just because a child has to be out of the pub by 9pm does not mean they won't be around drunk people before 9pm they're in a pub that day uh, for maybe two or three in the afternoon the issue Katie has is the greyhound racing but she's making out that it's about kids being around drink and betting well that and and also the Greyhound Racing. There's gambling in every shop in every county in Ireland and all over the world. Kids pick out numbers for their parents on the lotto all the time. I'm not pro-gambling or Greyhound Racing. I don't even gamble. Um, but uh, she is singing out, she's singling out one method to suit her agenda with regards to gambling. What about the Grand National? In the house, I place bets and my kids pick out horses too. Uh, another one says, my local soccer club has a benefit night at the track and we raised over €20,000 there to Tarmacadam, the whole complex grounds. And I want to say thank you to Curraheen Park Greyhound Track. Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. A lot of text still coming in on um, the issues involving... Of course, this started really as to whether or not community parties should be held with children at the Greyhound Track with betting and things like that. In the Greyhound Park Stadium, there is, I think, a 21s policy, is there not? This means that if the toad staff think you're under 21, they're required to ask for ID and you can be served a bet only if you're over over 18. This is on the posters all over the stadium. I have greyhounds and I take care of them like my children. Greyhound racing is always targeted when gambling is constantly advertised on the radio or in between matches on the television during the day. Alcohol actually, Neil, is a much bigger plague on society. I was in a pub in Washington Street at 5 o'clock on a Sunday and four men were, how can I put this, highly intoxicated in front of children. Is that not a bigger problem? So there's that and lots more besides. Keeps us the text coming, text 0868104106. After the break, the one and only Ronan Collins. Text or WhatsApp Neil now, 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. All right, text 0868104106. There's another marvellous event happening in Tormelinos um, again later this year where you can head off and have an all-in holiday in the sun and also hang out and go to gigs with stars in the sun. And there are like dozens of them travelling. It's hugely popular. You can actually fly out of Cork and everything. Amongst those who is behind this and also will be travelling and has been is a man who is uh, well-known uh, within show business, uh, music business, um, drumming and singing and presenting television programmes, but of course, mostly for his uh, radio career. And at one stage during the peak of his radio career, midday to uh, one o'clock on RT Radio 1, he had the most listened-to music show on Irish radio, full stop, peaking at a quarter of a million, a phenomenal amount. And, of course, much of it, of course, because of his personality and the fact that he picked his own tunes. I have great time and respect for Ronan Collins. Morning, Ronan. Good morning, Neil. It's been, a while. it's been a while. How are you? I'm very good, thank you very much indeed. Uh, talking about what used to be it reminds me of a great future behind me, you know. In radio, so uh. <laughs> you're still doing the business though on uh, RTE Gold, but my yeah, God Almighty, yeah. what a like we we share a lot in common because you would have started um, on RTE about '79, but before that would have had a period in Pirates like I did, right? Yeah, only a, a kind of a short while, and uh, it, I, I never, I never kind of felt that. Um, it was that important at the time. Uh, so many fellas 
and indeed girls uh, were trying um, and it was to break into radio I was doing it for the crack and uh, for something to do when I wasn't on the road uh, playing music yeah. so um, yeah. yeah you're exactly right though 70, 78 late 77 into 78 and then early 79 when I had to stop because um, because I got the job in order How did that come about? <laughs> did you demo for that or was there a, was the setup of 2FM or what? Funny, there was a postal strike on at the time and I was out in RTE uh, recording a TV show with uh, Dickie Rock, who I was drumming with at the time. And um, I got word, um, somebody said to me, uh, RTE is starting a, a pop music station and they're holding auditions. So on a break from the TV, how, how brave was I? I wandered over to the radio building and I said, hello, I'm Roland Collins and I'd like an audition. And... And the funny thing was, there was a list on the girl's desk and she went down the list and said, oh yeah, your name is on it. And I said, why is my name on it? And she said, I don't know. Uh, anyway, I got an audition. Uh, I did a voice test, as they called it. Then I did another voice test. Then I did another voice test. And this time I was interviewed by two of the two of the uh, producer yeah. managers. Yeah. And... Um, and then they offered me a job. And the rest is history, as they say. Um, and, and, and of course, we all know of your success on air and those you worked alongside. I mean, you're great friends with the likes of, uh, of Larry Gogan back in the day and what have you. So heartbreaking news well, I, when I, he passed away. Yeah, I knew Larry before before I went into RTE. I, I just knew him from... I, I can't remember exactly how. And, and, and we, had a, we had a great relationship. And when I went into RTE, we became firm friends, you know. And uh, when Larry died, it was, a, it was a terrible blow. It was a terrible blow to uh, all of Larry's contemporaries and, and those of us who had been lucky enough to encounter him. And, you know, I'd known him for 45 years and it was a great mm. it was a great personal loss a loss mm. of a friend mm. but in terms of radio I just felt that was a, a red letter day Larry Gogan wasn't going to be on the radio anymore he'd been on radio since 1962 insane and um, you know what kind of a world am I inhabiting and that was the beginning of me thinking about giving up uh, daytime radio Really? I mean, uh, why would you yeah. want to give something up when you had the most listened to music show on a national radio station, peaking at a quarter of a million, and picking your own music? Um, I've been doing it for a long time, and it it uh, when when the dreaded COVID came along, uh, you know, I I, I made a commitment uh, that I would I would stick at it, uh, and I go in every day. I I didn't want to do it from 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 my home. Um, I, I went into RTE every day and um, a lot of people became very reliant on, on me being on the air um, for lots of reasons and uh, the figures shot up mm. and when we came back after COVID um, I started to think that the, it had been a lonely time going into the building every day there was nobody else around and Larry wasn't around but nobody was around and so after COVID, um, I started to think, um, what, what am I going to do? What's left in my life? You know, I've been doing this for 43 and a half years. Yeah. And is there anything you want to do? And there were lots of things I wanted to do. And um, I made gotta, my decision. That's got to be a you tough know? decision to hang up the headphones. Well, not hang up the headphones because you're doing your thing on gold, as I say. But I mean, you must have labored hard on that decision. 
Um, I, I, yes, I did. I thought long and hard about it. I thought about it for, for I'd been talking about it with my wife and then I really thought about it for a, a good a good three months. Mm. And then three months after that, I told RTE um, that I wanted to finish. Mm. And they said, why do you want to finish? And I said, I'm on top. It ain't going to get any higher. Uh, it can only go down. You'll be, convinced, I said, you'll be uh, convincing me next. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, you reach a stage in your life where, um, you know, like I've never disguised my age. You know, I was, I was, I'll be 72 this year. And I, I, I don't feel it. And it's, you know, I know it's a cliche. It's only a number. But it was a good time to finish. Mm. It was a great time to finish. Mm. And I, I finished on my own terms. It wasn't somebody coming to me and saying, you should finish because mm. uh, they're after you or it's not going to last much longer. Did you worry they that that get, would happen, you know, though, that ultimately there would be a bit of ageism would kick in? No, not the ageism. No, that, that didn't worry me. Um, it just, change is necessary in, in radio. And I, I always appreciated that down through the years. Uh, and I hadn't been a victim of any great changes. And I had no intention of being a victim of yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. So uh, here was an opportunity to uh, to reassess uh, and to uh, change my my outlook on life. And um, yeah, and and I got it, and I, I took the chance, and uh, and it was on my own terms. And even RTE admitted that they said he's going on his own terms. Nobody's pushing him. Yeah, he he wants to go and uh, do other things. Yeah, and in the last in the last thirteen months. I just, it has flown by. Uh, I haven't missed radio because I'm doing my stints on RTE Gold. Um, so that's that satisfies me. That doesn't take as much time as as uh, Radio 1 did, which was a daily live every day. And um, I'm just in a great place. And, and it's it was just a great You decision. are, yeah. I, I'm not so sure. I don't know whether you're precluded from talking about the fact that RT itself wouldn't appear to be in a great place. Everybody's been talking about RT for six or eight months for all of the wrong reasons. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, things things like this happen. I'm glad I wasn't there when it happened, when when things got difficult. I'm glad I wasn't there you know, everybody has their opinions about management and all that kind of thing. Um, I I had no problems in my 43 and a half years. I had difficulties. Uh, you, you have difficulties with people, you have difficulties with attitudes, you have difficulties with things. You know, I was just uh, turning up every day, doing what I did with great enthusiasm. I absolutely loved it, mm. absolutely loved it. Mm. And was lucky enough that it worked very well. Uh, and then when I finished in, in RTE, six months, uh, five, six months later, all these stories came out about all kinds of things, mm. uh, management difficulties and uh, accounting anomalies and Brian Tuberty going I, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I felt like a spectator uh, more than anybody who was ever involved in anything like that. I, yeah, I was a very interested spectator, yeah. and I was saddened by a lot of what was said about about RT and everything because it wasn't how I'd experienced it over forty three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm sad about it, but I, trust me, I, I think the place will. Um, you know, it will rise up again, and uh, you know, I think I think there was uh, a lot of sadness around, and uh, yeah. there was a lot of battering, yeah. a lot of battering of RTE, and some of it justified, uh, most of it not. 
because I think you know um, you know people uh, people turned on the presenters uh, as the front people you know the, the people in the shop window the broadcasters and everything in, in the sense that they saw eye watering salaries and things like that and you know <laughs> yeah well I mean you know it was a different time and uh, you know I, I don't think it, it led on to a malaise I think um I think RTE needed to shake up and by Jove is it having it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I mean, amongst your career as well, you did a lot of television and also, and I just was reminded recently, you did Eurovision commentating for RTE. So you know a little bit about Eurovision. You're, you're aware of this contentious choice of Bambi Thug, are you? Um, not really. Well, no, you, cause because you had said in the I, past, I'm not a fan of Eurovision since it moved its focus from music to glamour and fashion and everything that isn't music. Um, and the choice of Ireland song this year is getting quite an amount of attention. Well, I think it would be very, it would be remiss of me to be critical of contemporary music and, and contemporary efforts. I'm, I'm out of that now. Um, I mean, I, I heard the song um, and... You know, it it doesn't appeal to me, but it might appeal to Eurovision. Yeah, and that's that's what they're trying to do. The thing that really bothers me is that um, it's called Eurovision now. It used to be called the Eurovision Song Contest, uh, and when it stopped being a song contest and became a spectacular television program, mm. that's when um, they just they just use music as, as a vehicle. Mm. Um, but it's not serious music. Mm. Well, it could be the one that could win it because exactly that. It's just not about the song anymore. But, um, you know, we've come a long way from the Danas and the Johnny Logans and songs like that winning Eurovision. So maybe we need to think differently. I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And, and, you know, focus on it being a television program. I mean, I remember as far back as, you know, quite a few years ago, my daughter, um, I, I said to her, did you hear such and such a song? And she said, oh, yeah, I saw it. I didn't like it. Yeah. She saw the song, uh, a video. And that that was the beginning of a new approach to music, how it looks, how it's presented, yeah, yeah. not just how it sounds. So that's... that's um, Maybe that was the time for me to grow up or get out, and you know. Uh, but you're playing. So, so I mean, there's yeah. there's wonderful music around. There's there's fantastic music around, and there always is fantastic music around, um, and a lot of it doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, not it's not supposed to appeal to you. But you sounds if you're in a very happy place, spending a lot of time on the golf course, playing music again, drumming, singing, traveling to the sun with a gang load of other big stars, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I've done that the last couple of years and, and now I have the time to do it and spend a little bit more time doing it. And certainly I'm back performing. I mean, um, I've been touring the the Reeling and the Show Band years uh, tour again for our 14th year uh, this year. And, and I hear your most popular venue is the Opera House, I'm told. The Opera House in Cork, we had two nights there and... I couldn't tell you which night was the best because they were unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, Cork, Cork has always been. Can I say, Neil? Cork has always been fantastic to me, uh, right, right from the word go. Um, I, you know, I've had many friends in Cork and many, many listeners, many people who mm. communicated with me down through the years. Mm. And one of my great joys in life, even to this day, is walking down Patrick Street, which I, I still. <laughs> get recognised and people come up to me and unlike Dubliners who kind of reluctantly recognise you 
uh, you know, and I say, who are you? Uh, in Cork, they will come over to you and with great enthusiasm would want to talk. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's yeah. a great joy. And it's and I've managed to spend a little more time in Cork uh, in the last year when I've been down there on visits. Um, I've stayed over a couple of times, which I could never do before. Which is because great. Like, because you've been doing a show on a you've been doing a show on a Friday on a, on a Thursday night, and you had to go back to be on radio on Friday. And now I have a different rhythm to my life and everything, you know. So um, that's been fantastic. And then the the, the trip to to Spain is great fun. It was started by uh, Tommy Swarbrick some years ago. Tommy, famous in the music business for for years and years. Eurovision and themselves, by, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but now it's run by a fellow called Gar- Gordon Marr, who, who's really brought it up such a notch. It's it's a full week of entertainment and people can dance and uh, sing along if they want to or they can lie by the pool and they can do all the things that they want to do on a holiday. And every evening they have their dinner and there is a show on every evening and it doesn't go on all night. Mm. It's a terrific two hours of entertainment every evening. Having had some entertainment at the pool during the day mm. as well. So and it, it's it's great fun. And you mentioned that yeah people can fly directly out of Cork now, which is great. Um th- that arrangement has been made because uh, And you got yourself and Red Hurley and Gina and the Conquerors, Sean O'Dowd, Simon Casey, Dominic Kerwin. I'm just looking there's low Richie Hayes. There's just loads and loads of different artists. It seems to get bigger every year. <laughs> Yeah, loads of people, and it's as I say, it's great fun, and uh, you know, it's it's not, it's it, there's a couple of hundred people uh, who go on it, and um, it's it, like a manageable number, you know, you can get to see everybody, get to talk to everybody, and just ha- have a great bit of fun, great bit of fun, okay. and uh, I'd highly recommend it. Okay, well, I'll give out the details of how people can book um, as soon as we finish up the conversation. Um, and it's off to Tormelinos from the 30th of September to the 7th of October. But you're enjoying, you're enjoying the playing. A uh, little birdie told me that you believe you're a better singer than you are a drummer, but you never liked the front of stage. Is that right? Well, I'm certainly, um, I'm certainly um, not a great drummer now. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think I was, I was ever, I was a good, I was a good, um, I was a good dance band, show band drummer. Yeah, absolutely. Very good, good rock and roll drummer. No problem. Um, my big thing was that I sang at the same time as, uh, as playing, playing so the did Joe. So does Joe Mack, actually, you remember? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a- absolutely, Joe Mack. And, um, you know, there weren't a huge amount of, of singing drummers in the band <laughs> business. And it, it was it was a great asset. It, it helped me greatly. And, and I enjoyed it hugely. But yes, I had a... When I did that back in the 1970s, I, you would, I wouldn't stand at the front of the stage if you gave me a, a thousand pounds. I, I, absolutely, but you'd no sit way. behind a microphone then and talk to hundreds of thousands. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and you have that protection of your desk in the same way as with your drum kit. Yeah. You you uh, you can you can sing and play, and you have that barrier, if you like, of your own space, and the drum kit is there in front yeah, of you, yeah. and I, I, I think I changed my attitude to that then um, when, I, when I gave up television or maybe television gave me up, but <laughs> back in uh, 2006, I'd had a great relationship and working relationship with the National Lottery, and it came time to, for changes in that, and I finished in 2006 and um, that kind of took uh, my my I thought it would 
kill my profile that I wasn't going to be on television. And I remember if there was a suggestion made to me in television that I might do such and such a program. Yeah, maybe we'll do this. And I said, you know what? I don't want to work on television anymore. Uh, I want to concentrate on my radio work and television like it just takes a day to do half an hour, mm, you know. That's right. Yeah, radio is um, much more spontaneous, yeah. Absolutely, and much more immediate, and no technology gets in the way. Well, most of the time it doesn't <laughs> get in the way. And 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 then I found myself guesting on TV shows over the years, which I enjoy hugely, mm. because I feel like I'm a bit of a, let's put him on the couch and he, he'll be grand. Uh, for a bit of a chat and it's always interesting yeah. where, where you find yourself yeah. in a situation yeah. whether it's in the mornings uh, or in the afternoons uh, and the, the odd thing on the, the Late Late Show whatever oh, these, and, and you know those days are gone now um, although the the the, the daytime uh, sofa shows still want me to go on um, <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm flattered <laughs> I'm flattered. <laughs> At your age, it's nice to be sitting on a sofa. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, and the funny thing about it is that from a television point of view, is that I look different now than I did when I was doing television and I was in everything bar the Angelus. And then I ended up bringing the Angelus on Radio 1 at lunchtime. So, so I look different, you know. I'm, I'm not... I'm not as big a man as I was was before. Yeah. Well, you yeah, sound very relaxed. You sound happy. Yeah. It seems to me that you're calling your own tune, which is a lovely place to be. Long may it continue. Well, yeah, as I said, I'm, I have a different rhythm to my life. I'm, I'm still busy, but it's not as crazy hectic as it was mm, because um, th- there's a better rhythm, you know. And to be able to do things like the stars and the sun at, at the end of September... And uh, just to be able to say to my wife, I'm working in Cork uh, next next week. Do you want to come down? Mm. Um, so I come down and we stay over and we relax. And um, I mean, as apart from the people of Cork, my favourite restaurant in Ireland happens to be in Cork um, as well, which is the Finders Inn out in Novel. That's a you great win a medal one. if you Good can choice. find it. Yeah, great steak well, there. A wonderful great place. steak there. Yeah. Well, it's just, I mean, Donnick and Susie out there for years. And I, I'm going there since the year it opened. Well, you'll get an extra and few chips is, now next time you're down there, I'm sure. Well, you know, Donegal won't give you an extra few anything. <laughs> Uh, he just he just wants you to enjoy it and and uh, and they're terrific hosts down there and uh, and people say to me where is it and I say you have to find it uh, that's the whole idea of the finders in I leave find you with the cor- I leave you with the corny joke anyway delighted to hear that you're in great spirits regards to Woody um, and pass on our best wishes to your granddad now at this stage I'd imagine are you? I'm a granddad yeah two two grandkids uh, nine he was nine uh, two weeks ago and uh, six and a half and uh, they are the absolute joy of our lives and we have a wedding this year my eldest girl is getting married um, people, she's she's. Uh, how will I how will I be discreet about it? Um, people are saying to her, "Is this your first marriage?" <laughs> <laughs> and it is. Uh, and uh, so so it's an exciting year for us, you know. And uh, we're gonna and um, just everything everything is fantastic. And I just the one thing that I want more than anything is. Uh, 
good health to enjoy all this for a, for a while yet. Well, we wish you that and, for yeah, sure we do. You know? Yeah, look Thank after you. yourself, man. Take care for now. Great to talk to you. I look you forward too. to seeing you soon. Absolutely. The one and only Ronan Collins, just one of the good guys, the nice guys. Now, if you want to follow up on Stars in the Sun, a holiday of music and memories, then it's happening from the 30th of September to the 7th of October, inclusive in Tormelina, so the Blue Sea Grand Cervantes Hotel. It's in Dublin number 01-211-8745. 01-211-8745. You can Google it yourself, Tires in the Sun. You'll see the entire lineup. And of course, amongst them, front and centre will be the great Ronan Collins. Text 86 8104 Call Neil now. 0818-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Oh my God, huge amounts of text on this one. I celebrated many birthdays, my communion, also my confirmation inside the dog track and it was so much more affordable for a big family of us to go out and eat while having a great night watching the racing. And that's birthdays, communions, confirmations. Um, uh, I must be a bad parent because... Uh, Anytime I was in Curraheen, I'd give the kids a tenner each for a tote, uh, one euro for each race. This was a few years ago now because I think you can't use the tote anymore if you're underage. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know what the consequences of it was given the kids a tenner to go betting. Uh, Eileen is a good county councillor. Uh, I agree, though, with Katie. Kids have no business in a pub at any hour of the day or night listening to idiots drunk and using foul language. Eileen should recognise that kids are exposed to gambling and drink at other places, but also at the dog track. She's a Fine Gael member and a government party and should advocate for good family life away from pubs and gambling. And there are many more. It'll be Monday now before I come back to them. I'm not sure where Katie is getting her information, but it's quite skewed. Uh, this would be gambling aware. This would be um, um, the organisation we're speaking of this morning, uh, Greyhound Awareness Corps. Curraheen Park is an entertainment activity venue, not a gambling venue. It's the parents' decision whether they bring the kids or not. Kids cannot place a bet at any Greyhound track, and it's very unfair to label Greyhound tracks in a negative light. It's a family sport for a lot of families in Ireland and across the world. The points that they made about dogs being killed if they're too slow is nonsense. Greyhounds are the most regulated breed in the world and there is a grade of racing for all dogs no matter how fast or how slow they are. But Katie's group do not want to visit any kennels or be involved in any talks so it's impossible for them to know exactly what is going on. They don't seem to know the difference between a greyhound and a lurcher and have used lurchers to protest against greyhounds on many occasions and greyhound tracks. So there you have it. That's just a selection and there's a lot more like that. It being Friday, will be played out with music again live in studio up from Claire and Limerick, Joe O'Donnell and Trevor Sexton. More on that and the first song in a few minutes' time. Welcome, guys. Get yourself set up and I'll come back to you in a minute. But I want to go back to the phone lines for now. Anne Hagerty is giving away a house. A house? You can win a house. Um, Anne Hagerty, long-time volunteer with Enable Ireland. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Neil. Uh, How are you? A house? Do we know where the house is? How many bedrooms? What it's worth? Well, you know something that was very interesting on your programme last week when you mentioned that Carrigaline was one of the safest places to live. So they say. Well, this house is in also in Carrigaline, yeah. It was indeed. And about uh, two or three years ago, I'm Stephen McCarthy, who was an extremely generous gentleman. He's the builder of in Janeville in Carrigaline. Oh, I know it. I know it, yeah. Big, big, big housing development there, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's beautifully done and very tastefully done. And anyway, we had a good chat and he said, okay. So we decided we'd raffle the house and we did one back then two years ago. And it was a huge success. In fact, we could have sold twice as many tickets, but... Who and so I don't know, who moved... These would be A-rated houses. Who moved into it? A young family or what happened with it? 
um, believe it or not, one lady bought one ticket and it caught her eye because it was a children's charity. A lady from Rathope with five, four or five children and so she bought it. One ticket. So imagine that, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. higher odds than the lottery, they oh, say. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So the brand new A-rated three-bedroom house in Janeville plus a 5,000 euro yeah. voucher for right price tiles and wood floors and a 5,000 euro voucher for easy living interiors. And all of the proceeds, what, are you doing some, are you doing the fundraiser for a particular reason? Well, first of all, just to, to add the generosity again of Stephen, he's providing the upgraded um, kitchen, beautiful kitchen with the house as well. Again, coming back to Stephen. Well, you see, we built this beautiful centre. I'm smiling to myself at your conversation about Corrine. I mean, Corrine area provides great respite for Marymount and we're literally down the road from Marymount in the new children's centre. And it's fabulous. The new Lavanda centre is absolutely fabulous. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really quite special because, you know, the children of Cork deserved the very best and all monies from the day I started with the neighbours got about 34 years. In fact, I, I think I met you down at the launch of the Titanic to the very short notice about the um, the premier of it in Douglas and oh you're I don't dead know how right. you ended up there yeah, too I don't know I just probably oh, just skipped down the road <laughs> from the house that was probably clear. yeah probably a little uh, but anyway so you need to clear debt then isn't it that's what this is about we do with with a very large debt on the building and and you don't know where to start when you look at millions you know the government gave us two million of a grant and then the rest has been hard slugging and fundraising and the generosity of companies and families who, okay. you know, they donated uh, rooms, etc. So there's a, just under half a million to be cleared on the debt. So we'd hope to do that with this raffle. Absolutely. Well, so tickets are 100 euro each. Hundred, it's limited to 10,000 entries. Yeah. yeah. yeah the draw is on the 22nd and, uh, of March. Great, yeah, and a great prize now, a present for people for Valentine's Day and <sighs> Mother's Day and, you know, the ideal thing. I mean... You, you buy two rounds of drinks. No, Neela, they'd cost you 50 euro without even blinking. But, well, but if it's you're drinking, yeah, absolutely. Drinks, yeah. <laughs> Listen, you buy you buy two of, two of those fancy gin and tonics these days, you'd be charged 50 euro for them. So anyway, it's, it's money it's money well spent to a very good cause. 100 euro each. The draw takes place on the 22nd of March, limited to 10,000. Winahousecork.ie is where people can they link can in. Do that. And, yeah. Exactly. Use the, use the website, which will be the, the the best way to do it. They can also ring the fundraising office, but the website is a good way um, to order the tickets. All very, very simple and easy. Even the older generation like myself are getting very good at this online stuff. So it's quite easy to do that, you know? Okay, well, good luck with it. So €100 a ticket, 22nd of March is the... Not at all, and good Um, luck with the fundraising and the great work that you do. The Levanna said celebrating 70 years serving the children of Cork this year. Well, so that's, that's back to all the people down through the years, like Chris Roach and Anne Maloney and Phil O'Donovan, Donald Cashman, all these people down through the years made such an impact. That's an amazing so milestone. Well done. Well done to, to make, all of you. Well to make done. this dream come true. So we hope to continue the dream. Oh, well, you'll be celebrating a 100 anniversary before you know it. Take care, Anne. All the best. <laughs> Anne Hegarty from the Levana Centre. So you win yourself uh, a brand new, could win yourself a brand new A-rated three-bedroom house in Janeville, Carrigaline. Further details, winahousecork.ie. Playing us out as we have every single Friday. Live music in studio next with Joe O'Donnell and Trevor Sexton. After the break... The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM.
conversation that matters. And my job, of course, is to count them in. Joel O'Donnell and Trevor Sexton from Clare and Limerick. We'll chat in a minute, but let's get some live music. So let's do it, guys. One, two, one, two, three, four. you through the dimming light as autumn leaves come down mesmerizing reds and golds falling to the ground the shadows grew as darkness fell it was difficult to see but I was happy in the newborn night for you the clothes they faded into wisps The moon unmasked his face The stars came out to talk to him And occupy his space Frost you recorded all in the land Still as night could be But I was happy In the freezing dark For you were there with me You're the Alice in my wonderland Sleeping beauty as you lay there You're Rapunzel As I watch your hair fall down Your hair fall down 
the mirror on the wall Your breath The beauty of the ball Your breath The most beautiful of all And I'm the beast That's the most beautiful love song You wrote that's one of your own ones, is it guys? Yeah, I wrote that over 20 years ago Go away And when he released it the 1st of January so. This year? Yeah, just, just this Man, year Man, why have it been waiting for so long? Um, well, we only started to play music together in 2018 and for years um, I just never got around to recording it myself So how does you're a Limerick man? Oh, I'm a Limerick man How does sure. a Limerick man and a Clare man yourself enjoy how did you team up? Uh, uh, through uh, Facebook really, Facebook and YouTube yeah, yeah. so uh, for, for since 2018 uh, the start of 2018 up to up to that point, about for about twenty years, I was playing in a wedding band, and my and my only way of getting my original music out there, it turned out seemed to be social media, yeah, or YouTube, yeah, uh, and I gave it a go one one night. I said I put up one song. I was at home. Just got the smartphone out. No, I had I had some good gear, so okay, I had cameras okay. and, and, yeah. and good. It's stuff. a huge opportunity now to get stuff out um, there. Oh, it's massive. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I I said I give it a go, and overnight it went crazy. And so I, so I kept, kept every week I'd, I'd do a new video. And Trevor sp- spotted those videos and uh, I spotted one of his. And I, I, so I contacted him and uh, we said, we, we do something together. She so called over to the house and we did a, a couple of songs. And Beautiful song. You yeah. both self-taught then? Uh, well, no, somewhat, somewhat. You, you've more music. You've much more music education than, than me. Yeah, but do you I, need it? Like you just have to have an ear for it. Well, yeah, I, I was, passion I, and I was a music teacher. I was a, a secondary school teacher. Right. Okay. You're so, the boss, then, are you? He's about yeah. when it comes to, te- when it comes to He's the, the musical cards. director. We'll say, yeah. <laughs> the MD. But yeah, I, I came. All my family are musicians back along, so there was always music. So yeah, yeah, if, yeah. Uh, yeah. We kind of grew up. It wasn't anything special or anything different to, to sing or to, yeah. to play tunes, you know. Yeah, there's a great sweep of counties, Cork to Kerry to Limerick to Clare. We're all kind of connected by uh, one yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Our love of music and our yeah. love of trad. But you're hugely popular. I think there's a trip, um, isn't there a trip to the States? Probably doing St. Patrick's gigs, I suppose, is it? In yeah, New York or Boston? The last, the last gig of the, of the American tour will be, will be St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. We're, so we're there for over two weeks leading up to Paddy's Day. And we'll all the gigs booked and everything ready oh, to yeah. rock? Yeah, yeah, yeah ready yeah, to yeah. go. So, yeah. Yeah. so New York, Boston in Philadelphia yeah looking the forward to in Maine as well that's right yeah but I know there are gigs in Cork though between there now is. and then because I know you're playing and then there is, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think there's um, you're playing Gaggan tomorrow and the, the community hall in Bandon but then you're playing big gigs like the Opera House uh, you're playing Sea Church have you played either of those before Opera we, House or Sea Church done, we've done Sea Church together we've before, done Sea yeah. Church twice before Great it's, been great. it's been amazing it's a beautiful um, venue I've played in the Opera House before but as part of a different show but yeah. this time we're, we're joining George Murphy and his band The Rising Suns so right okay so yeah. We're, yeah. we're joining George and his band for a couple of his I think George uh, is, big gigs I think George is coming in with you for an interview I hope stage. so because yeah, yeah. what, what a voice yeah, oh what a great, voice yeah, I mean yeah, he blew yeah, it that's, yeah. he's, he does the Luke Kelly stuff yeah, doesn't he it, yeah, yeah. amazing talent has yeah. he been away or what has he been you don't know well, he's, he's kind been of been concentrating on, on building his own thing from he, he's kind of had to build it from the ground up again you know because yeah, yeah, yeah. he was he was touring with the High Kings for a few years yeah. and then 
he tried to go out and do his own thing and it's tough man and music is a tough gig but yeah, I George he's as sound as you'll meet you won't be nicer you know well listen I'm delighted you got to get in and play us a couple of songs um, Tre- Jared O'Donnell and Trevor Sexton we're going to play another one out I think are we we will happy days we'll do one more okay. and if, and and if, anyone, if anyone wants to see us uh, like we have we've actually eight gigs in Cork this year <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so we have Gagan, we have the, the Opera House, we have uh, Mitchellstone, we're in, uh, in there in June, we're in Sea Church in August, uh, Castle Lions on the 28th, 28th of September, September. Uh, the Cultural in Newmarket on the 26th of October. That was a great, we and, did that before. Uh, the last one actually was, was, was I meant to mention the Opera House. That's the, yeah, okay. The George Murphy is coming in, I'm told. We've been, yeah. I just heard it in my ear. So man, I'm looking forward to that, that'll be great. <laughs> okay, so I see now at this stage that Trevor has replaced the guitar with the bower on, so I'm expecting something a bit more lively. Lively, am I? Make a bit of a racket over here in the corner. It's a slow air. Slow air on the bow run. That'll be a first. <laughs> it's a song, time. a song called Torn Screen Door. An old farmhouse standing broken and bare. It used to be someone's home, now no one is there. There's a red barn standing held together with nails and dust. And a tired old Massey Harris all wears and must. Weeds overgrown and the garden sown with care. It used to be someone's home, now no one is there. Through the crack in the window pane. Hear the sound of the falling rain Another farm being left run down Another family moved into town Had a life that they tried to save But the banks took it all away On the side of the torn screen no, Nobody lives here no more There's a red band standing held together with nails and dust And the tired old Massey Harris all wears and rust Weeds overgrown and a garden sown with care It used to be someone's home, now one lives there Through the crack in the window pane Hear the sound of the falling rain Another farm being left run down Another family moved into town Had a life that they tried to save But the banks took it all away Sign on the torn screen door. Nobody lives here no more. Work the fingers to the bone. Nothing left they can call their own. Back in on a lead and skies. We're just a wave waving them goodbye. Had a life that they tried to save. But the banks took it all away. On the sign on the torn screen door. Nobody lives here no The fallen rain, another family being left run down, another family moved into town. Had a life that they tried to save, but the banks took it all away. On the sign on the torn screen door, nobody lives here no more. 
that guitar. No disrespect to the Bowron playing now. Don't get me wrong, Trevor, but that was incredible guitar work. Oh, thank you. Handy, all right. There's no touch of arthritis in them fingers. No, <laughs> no. no chill blains. No. That's a Canadian song, though, isn't it? It's a, it's a Scot. Uh, yeah, it's Canadian as such. The, the writer was fr- he's originally born in Scotland, near near Glasgow, and he lived most of his life in Canada. So losing the farm to the bank. I mean, yeah, God yeah. Almighty! All, all countries have the similar same problems. Oh, yeah, don't yeah, they? and that's not a new song. He's that out a long time. Amazing. That's yeah. fantastic. There's great harmony between the two of you. Thank great you. chemistry. Great to have you in. Thank you so much. Joe O'Donnell, yeah. lads, with thank Trevor Sexton. I want to say thank you as well to Owen Hennessy and Live Music Promotions Ireland for providing us with incredible musicians every single Friday. Bring it on. Back after the break, text 0868 104 106. My, my apologies. Before I do that, I actually want to go live just very, very quickly to uh, Jamie O'Hara. I mentioned a story earlier on this morning of the body of a, a six-year-old discovered in a car in County Waterford. It's very, very tragic and obviously forming part of a very serious guard investigation. He's live um, from uh, just outside Dunmore East in County Waterford and joins me by phone. Jamie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, and I know it's limited to what you can tell us, but uh, what, what, ha- what, what do you know of the situation? What happened? Well, Neil, what we know so far is the body of a boy who was six was found after midnight last night. Emergency services were called to the scene. Um, it's Rathmoyle and Cove. It's around five kilometres from the town of Dunmore East. And uh, it's it's a beach. There's a beach area. It's a seaside area. Uh, the scene remains sealed off. There's a road. There's a minor road leading up to the, the beach. That's sealed off today. Gardaí are, are there. And um, it's understood the body was found in a car um, just after midnight, a woman in her late 30s was arrested at the scene. She remains in Garda custody uh, today at a Garda station in County Waterford. Now, uh, the Office of the State Pathologist has been informed a post-mortem is due to be carried out at Waterford University Hospital today. And Garda is saying the results of the post-mortem, that will determine the course of their investigation. That's about as much as we know for now. Very, very tragic. The boy's death is being treated as suspicious given the circumstances involved, but it's early days in the investigation you're saying that much of it will wait will wait for post-mortem examination is that it absolutely uh, right now it's the investigation into the death of a six-year-old it won't be upgraded until the, uh, the the pathologist gives the report after the post-mortem to find out cause of death Okay. All right. Well, listen, thank you for the update. It's absolutely tragic. Terribly sad news. Jamie O'Hara, live for uh, Red FM News down in uh, the East, six-year-old child in the county Waterford in what would seem to be suspicious circumstances. It's awfully sad. Uh, Lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Have a good weekend and I'll see you Monday. When court talks, car people blow my mind. They talk to Neil Prendeville on Red FM.